Happy Bergman to you all! It is me, Christopher Galanti, with another episode of Galanti and Chill. Hello, everybody. It is the week of August 1st. Breaking into August with some Igmar Bergman films. Devin thought I said burger last episode, and he ate a bunch of burgers. Isn't that right, Devin? I also watched a bunch of Good Burger. Well, Both of course, the skits and the future film. I'm here with Devin uh, Kopeck, Stephen O'Tiri, and Jonathan Suarez. Hello, hello, hey. everybody. Chris, I, I'm I'm definitely here for the Ingmar uh, Good Burger Festival. Oh shit! Uh, Steve, can, can you confirm was Bergman was Chris King? was Chris extraordinarily loud? Uh, a little bit. I was a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> because my mic was a little. Closer. He's excited. He's excited He's to like, talk. He's excited. <laughs> But that one, that one, I can even tell on my end was like that was peaking. <laughs> he came a little hot. Came in a lot. A little hot because you know I, the tendency to want to pull the mic closer when you start. When I do this, like when I start podcasting, it's always there. So I have to kind of train myself not to get it too close. But you want to be you want to be like a carnival barker. Bring the mic in and just be like, "Welcome to the circus." I want to serenade and scream at the same time. That's my. I can't get, get one of those. Um, uh, what do you call it? It was like microphones that they they slowly hang down from the center of the stadium. Talking about oh, like a, a dick like a, microphone, a dick mic. Yeah, um, <laughs> maybe it's a microphone they hang off a man's dick. Yeah. Oh, and and then he just dips it like he's fishing. He's just yeah, dangling up there in the roof. Okay. Whatever that pretty, dude, Mr. Kennedy. Remember when they gave the, Mr. Kennedy that wrestler? I do remember that. That's what gang- Chris needs. <laughs> Just the mic lowers right in front of him, and he goes, "Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, another the... episode of Go on to and Chill has oh, been canceled." Been canceled? <laughs> what? Why are we even here? Why are you doing such a dramatic microphone? Please uh, leave the stadium. We watched uh, we watched a bunch of Bergman movies, guys. That's what we're here to talk about today. So put on how your berets. Ma- how many your- are there? How many Berg- Bergmans are there? Dude, a lot. Because the uh, HBO Max didn't have the other two I wanted to watch. I picked 10 what, what looked like 30. Man, 30? If, not, if not more. Get out of here, dude. I'm not watching all those movies. From the Wikipedia that I looked at, it was like, it looked like, like 20 or 30 films. Uh, Wikipedia entry, and you know all of those sound amazing too. I was looking up some of them on Wikipedia, just in passing, and I would watch most of them. <laughs> I really want to watch uh, Silence and um, yeah, me too. The what is it, Last Winter or whatever? Part of the Silence of God trilogy, dude. <laughs> dude, yeah, that sounds amazing. Um, yeah, but I I picked I picked ten. That I felt like were a good cross section of his entire career, because I kind of I wanted to see where he started, where he was flourishing, and where he ended up. Kind of. Yeah, that makes sense. And I feel like we got a good group of films for that. Personally, I actually thought like I, I separated these uh, five and five on the Galani and Chill uh, uh, Discord page that we have. And I feel like that was a good separation. I feel like the first five of these movies that we've watched feel almost like plays. And then the fifth film, Persona, kind of breaches out of that and is like a legitimate film in more ways than one. Um, 
Yeah, I could see that. But yeah, I, I uh, we watched 10 films. Uh, the list being uh, Sawdust and Tinsel, The Seven Seal, Wild Strawberries, Through a Glass Darkly, Persona, The Right, Cries and Whispers, Scenes from a Marriage, Autumn Sonata, and Fanny and Alexander were the 10 films that I chose. Um, I only watched the first five. Right. Now, you know, Solace and Tinsel being the first film on this list, I don't know who watched that. I know John watched that. Right? I watched it. It was real crunchy. Yeah. And, but I really enjoyed it, though. I actually really enjoyed it. It felt like a first film. Yeah. First or like third. Yeah, he's film. dipping his toes a little bit into the deep stuff, but not, he's, he's not, he didn't go full blown. Um, <clears throat> Does God exist yet? Yeah. In this, in this one. I think you see the bleakness in this film more than anything. Oh yeah, it's real dark. The the it even ends ends kind of dark too. Like right. it's a little you know unsettling. You know what? And I, that might have been brave for for the time. When did this come out? Nineteen fifty. So this came out in nineteen fifty three. Nineteen fifty three. Like right. how many fucking bleak and dark endings did you have back then? You know, <laughs> I not many. <clears throat> and you know, I feel like this film sort of set up how he ends how characters arc in his films too, because the two main characters, um, one played by Harriet Anderson and the other. I love her. Love that. Love that woman. Ike Gronberg. (laughs) uh, who plays Albert. Harriet Anderson plays Anne. They are a couple in a, in a small little carnival together, small little circus, and they absolutely despise their lives. They, uh, the husband or the man, the, the, the leader of this carnival or circus, uh, was having an affair with 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 Anne, uh, uh, you know, outside of his marriage. And they ended up running off together to basically start this ramshackle circus together. And they hate their lives. They're just so depressed. And it kind of ends with this resignation. Like, this is this is it. <laughs> Well, yeah, he like the story goes and he like they he ends up in his in his old town again and he wants to go back to his wife and kids and he wants to leave the circus again. And it's just cringe and fucking embarrassment. And then Anne goes to an actor, a handsome actor in which to leave. Yeah, slimeball, the slimeball Steve of the (laughs) um, of the cast. (laughs) He's what like, was his name? He's like a foppish man. Did you, did you watch this, Steve? He's, no, I did not. I, did not. Steve, this I, guy. I, I will admit, he does have a number of Slimeball Steve characters I, yeah, throughout, his, throughout his films. Look up Franz. Look up Franz. And, um, I, I actually Tenzel. don't have him written down. I have a lot of the other big actors that sort of carried over uh, in other films of Ingmar Bergman. Like Anders Eck plays Frost the Clown in this oh, first man. film. And uh, Gunnar Bjornstrand plays Mr. Shoesberg. He's the dude, right? He's the legend. Gunner B is John. You know, we'll talk about him in Seven Seal. Um, Man. Yeah. That dude is I like him. I I'd like say, that guy. I'd say Gunner B is uh is like the De Niro or the Mafune. Uh, yeah, I could see that. Of Bergman. You know, I see him yeah. in most films. And he got his start, I think, in a Bergman movie. So they're very closely related as far as their careers are concerned. But Back to the movie. Um, Solace and Hitsoul came out in 1953, has a runtime in 93 minutes. Currently stands at a Rotten Tomato score of 100%. I mean, 
what how many reviews like three six <laughs> oh, okay yeah i mean <laughs> yeah yeah that sounds uh, audience, like a lot of you audience you know. review 84 percent um uh, it's a movie too big for some little mind i guess <laughs> wait wait, wait what was the audience one 84 percent 84 yeah how many audience reviews it's, bo- it's above 83 so that's all the it's all the, it's all the edgelord like film 30, film students all the keynote <laughs> no offense to you guys but it's all the edgelord yeah. or 16 percent is the edgelord film students you're right you're right um yeah it's a thousand over a thousand written audience. and directed by our boy igmar bergman um, in 2012, it was voted one of the. Well, 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 hold on, you forgot somebody important that you see in every one of these movies. Oh yeah, Sven Nickvist. Sven Nickvist, the uh, cinematographer. Of who, course, that guy. I I have no words. I mean, we'll talk about you know. There's one movie in particular where like it's like out of control. There, there's like a particular his. scene in Saltess and Tinsel, <laughs> which is like extremely underexposed. Like it's super bright. And which, it, one, which one? Um, it's the scene where Frost is remembering when his wife was bathing with all those oh, yeah, soldiers watching yeah. her naked and like laughing yeah, at him. That's the part that kind of reminded me of like the lighthouse. Yeah. Like the way people were acting and their facial expressions. That's another motif, I think, with Bergman is he's real big on faces. Oh, like, dude. I, think. I was just oh, going to bring that up. Loves close-ups. Yeah. Bergman loves his extreme close-ups, man. He loves them right in their fucking face. He'll show you a mouth. He'll show <laughs> you a nose. He'll show you an eye. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of eye-opening, too, if you think about it. It's like, shocking. Him, him throwing that as part of you know the narrative is really interesting, I think. Um, it includes many actors that would work with Bergman, as I said before, most notably Gunnar Bjornstein. Um, I'm gonna call him Gunner B from now on because that sounds yeah. awesome. Just call him um, Gunner, dude. GB. Gunner. Uh, originally marketed in the states as a sex film under the title "The Naked Ooh. Night." <laughs> what? <laughs> That's a better title. Not gonna lie. <laughs> is that what you're saying, Chris? That Hollywood is forever. They're just trying to fucking. Oh, Hollywood sat down and they went. How do we, how do we these, sell how do we get these Americans movie? to watch this? 1953. <laughs> we just won a world war. They reference American circuses too in this. They like do. they like you, they make it known that their modeling their model of a traveling carnival is modeled after the American, American yeah. the American model, which, which causes is, a lot of disdain from the public too. Yeah, that, I mean that's what kind of like you know. Well, this is what the Americans do. Yeah, and I'm just like we don't okay. want that shit. That's basically <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, apparently considered an economic debacle. For reasons unknown, this would lead Bergman back to his original production company, Savents Films Industry. Yeah, yeah, that's, see that's, that. that's, the, that that's the one he's he's on for the rest of his. Well, for the he is the film, of the, movies, the film though. industry. He is the film that's, industry. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you guys of the financial downfall of Ingmar Bergman as well, because <laughs> that is clearly tied into the productions of his films. Was it the ponies, Chris? Was he always betting on the ponies? It was taxes. Oh, <laughs> Wesley Snipes two. Why is he two? I don't know. Sweden, everybody's ripping off of Igmar, even Wesley Bergman. Snipes. <laughs> all right um yeah like i said i feel like this film um is like the first attempt like a, a slightly am- amateurish in its in its uh in its convention what would you describe this as like a um a snack bar food this is this is it's a nice salad this- a salad. <laughs> okay. I'll a nice salad. I'm like a, like a movie candy. 
Let me see. Hold on. Oh, okay, me, you're me, saying me... even lighter. Yeah, yeah. Say, say I'm going to a say I'm going to a a, a movie snack bar. A oh, movie snack bar. Yeah. This I'm trying is... to think of one. It's like a nice movie snack this bar with black, like a little coffee. This, black, this is black licorice. That's what this is. This is Ooh, black licorice. I don't know about. Well, I mean, I didn't it see takes, it, but... it. But that's the thing. You need. You got to have a taste for it. For, for it's this raw kind of fucking crunch. Yeah. It's simple. Black licorice is like Igmar Bergman movies. <laughs> nah, but this movie in particular, I think compared to the other ones, because the other ones, well, I guess I guess you agree with Devin there, to Black be honest. Licorice. It was kind of like shoving fucking staples into your mouth at some point. So I don't <laughs> You know what it is? It's that black, bad way, not a bad way. It's that black you know? licorice from like Europe that is like covered in salt. <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever heard of that before. No, what? It gets good in plenty. So have those. There's that shit in Europe You're that's like, like super salty licorice, and it's. In I didn't Northern realize it was Europe. covered in salt. Interesting. Salty yeah. licorice. Salty licorice. Ingmar Bergman's uh, sawdust and tinsel. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Sawdust is the salt now. Yeah, Dude, there are these in the Philippines too. We don't like these. At least. My sister and I didn't I, like these. I, I had one once. And I could not stand it. it was, yeah, it's I very like my, uh, my, my blood pressure going up. It's super bitter. Like it's like, oh, how do we make something really bitter even more bitter? So and it's like this. So Bergman's cinematographer. He was that the cinematographer he worked with for like a majority. Basically, of his like all of them. Okay, all the movies I watched. Because, all five of the movies I watched was him. And like you know, I know this is also like in addition to like modern day remastering of these films, but like the black and white. And like contrast of these films Dude, are like fucking top notch. This, yeah, this guy is a fucking master at manipulating light. And yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll get we'll get into that. But I mean, I don't think that his best work was in Sawdust and Tinsel. But you know, I think he was kind of fucking with his or fucking with his own stuff, trying to um find his. He's trying to find his style too. I think with, yeah, with I think that's movies. a a big thing with Bergman is you watch these films and I think it's you know, it's a lot of self-reflection that he is putting into these films as like you know, he's put he's putting a part of himself into all of these and like things that he's so questioning. True. So true. So I think like what I'm watching now, like with this last film, uh Fanny and Alexander, like the parts I have on in the background now because mm-hmm. I'm still trying to watch it. Um it very much explains Bergman's relationship with religion as a child. And that goes on to inform the rest of his films, because I feel like this film may not deal with religion directly, but it definitely deals with like the oblivion of life, which is a huge part of his work. Oh, 100%. You know, like there, there's a hole that people, these people in these films fall down and they never get out of it. And you know, keep in mind this is this is a uh, he's German, I believe, right? I think he's Swedish. Swedish, Swedish. but like that. definitely yeah, this is Swedish. this is post World War II. Like this this is a still uh, open wound for Europe. Yeah. Well, well, Bergman talks about, and I, I think I told you guys this before that he his father was a rector who was like a high level religious type, but on top of that, he was also very much as a child attracted to the Hitler Youth. And he went on to despise that about himself later on in his life, obviously, you know? Right. Because he's an empathetic artist who hates that kind of shit. He uses yeah. that um that that uh Warsaw ghetto photo in persona too. Yeah. 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 Which is and he like he really he really he really makes it like its own thing. Like he he there's like a you know, not like super long takes, but he zooms in on some parts of the image too. 
really really gets it gets Her, it in, ingrained Persona in has some uh has some cannibal holocaust like uh fucking like <laughs> yeah. you need a warning before this movie image yeah dude <laughs> Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get to that. I want to get to that too soon. That's um, a big one. and Tinsel, I would say, is a solid fuck. I would say. It's, yes. I wouldn't it, consider uh, it. Wet my, it wet my appetite for, like, I had expectations from Bergman after watching um, after watching Sawdust and Tinsel. And I felt like it pre- prepped me a little bit better for the, the, the uh, at least, yeah, at least for the next couple movies. Hmm. Well, now that we we're, we're talking about it, the next film on our list is The Seventh Seal, um, which is arguably probably Bergman's f- most famous film. I would I say. Think so. I mean, this I mean, is we saw I we heard. saw a direct comparison from a movie we literally watched like three days ago, four yes. days ago. Last Action Hero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, this film is d- directed and written by Igmar Bergman. All of these films, I will say, are both directed and written by Bergman. No other writers. This is all coming out of him, these 10 films. So um, just wanted to you know, say that now. Um, holds a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes with a 93% audience score. It's that motherfucker who fucking dinged Paddington, I bet. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, it was Max von Sydow. Oh, he's he was, the one who dinged it. Yeah, because he's he got portrayed as as weaker than his own squire in this, uh, in this movie. <laughs> I would definitely rules, beat man. Death and Chess. The squire's fucking hard. He's hard as nails. Yeah, he's, he's, my hard. Favorite character he's hard. He's hard. Sure. I feel like I feel like the uh, Antonius Block, the knight, was portrayed as a little soft. Here, here's the deal, to, John. Here's the deal. Antonius Block, I don't think is soft. I think he's beaten down. I think he's he's tired. He's pushed to his end. I think the Crusades was bullshit. I think he's completely disillusioned with his standing, not only in his country, but in, in religion. Like, he's just he's just done. You know? That's yeah. that's the, what I got from that movie. More than, yeah. More than anything about, about him, particularly, Antonius Block. And, you know, the whole film, like, this whole movie, it's so simple in, in its storytelling. Like, it's like a fairy tale. You know, a really dark. It, it absolutely is. Yeah. Explain, explain to me one thing. Are they playing? Are him and well? Because I, I guess you you gotta get into the story first, <laughs> and then then I'll ask my question. Go go ahead, Chris. No, 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 no please. I, I, okay, I, I was wait for you to I guess explain what the premise was. Like Antonius Block the Knight, right? Uh, runs Antoni- into death. Well, yeah, he runs into he he finds death upon the shores of his or hometown. Finds him. He finds Tim upon the shores of his hometown. <laughs> and basically, he death is there to claim his soul. And he challenged instead, I think Antonio's block challenges him to a game of chess. And that is that game depends his life. That's where his life is kind of rests upon that game. And that game also is life. It, it, prolo- it prolongs his life, too. Right. Yeah. So the, the chess game that they're having is is throughout basically the entire length of the movie right so is it going on in his head or are they taking pauses every now and then and then i think i took it as they were just taking breaks okay i think it's antonius block in his in his mind but death is real like death is a Wait, character so... in this no but uh what's his name saw them playing right and yeah he was like, playing by himself that's, that's why i thought it was um it was taking place because like all these other characters get introduced. So it just looks like he's he's practicing and playing with himself, which is a lot, which a lot of chess players do. They'll have games with themselves, I guess. I mean, you could you look could as say. far as to say that there nobody is seeing anything that they're doing. 
but death is right. there. Death is a real thing that's there. It's, I mean, de- death death is always there. Right. Like, you know, we're all playing a game of chess against death. Right. But, um, yeah, um, the end of the movie, like, you know, he sees all the characters hand in hand uh, dancing or spinning. That was his wife. His wife is just like, what are you talking about? Get out of here. You're so silly. It's fucking tragic, too. Like, it's everything. Oh, wait, that are it, you talking about the very end? No, yeah, yeah. It, just, that was just talking about how, scene, by like, the way, what was it? Yeah, what? That was an improv scene. Really? He, he really liked the formation of the clouds in the background. So he literally just got a bunch of extras and he just put them on that hill. And he was like, all right, go. This is that's like. pretty iconic, too. Yeah, dude, that's, that's like scene. the box of like the Criterion DVD, <laughs> if I remember. Correctly. Yeah. All right. There's, well, some, this, uh, there's some burn in the top of the uh, frame, too. Yeah, it's it's all based the... off of the song, The Dance Macabre. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, mm-hmm. That song from. Uh, and there's the painting. The they, fourth they season the painting of, of Buffy. The, they had the dance macabre. He got his inspiration from Buffy too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So here's the the scene where Death is dancing away with his followers was shot after some of the actors had gone home for the day, while using some technicians and a few tourists as stand-ins. Ingmar Bergman conceived the scene on the spot and had to improvise quickly because of an interesting cloud formation that he wanted That's in the background. Wild. You serious? Whoa. So. You don't hear that from the hip old genius. No one, no, no one no, sits around like, in a green drop, screen studio and says, "Well, we got to start filming." Million. Yeah, drop <laughs> drop sixty million. We'll make those clouds do whatever <laughs> you want. We'll turn those clouds into Shrek, motherfucker. Yeah, I'm watching the scene again right now. Holy shit, dude! So, this, so he was just like, "Let's fucking let's do it." This, this was there, and he's like, "Yo, these clouds because I like the clouds." He's like, he's like, "This is some wild imagery. This is something." I can't imagine. Here. I can't imagine the movie having as big of an impact without that ending scene too yeah it's it's, it's yeah. Like, like we've been saying it's iconic you know like it's yeah and i i think i think bergman's death is a cliche now he made a cliche <laughs> oh yeah yeah you yeah. know what i he mean created, yeah <laughs> oh uh to to make stin happy you say his death is almost his his style of death is a trope it's a trope baby yeah he made his own trope and that shit is to me is is intensely interesting. Like the creation of these things, how they yeah. persist. You know, like the origin of like where where these universal uh, images are. That's what the that's what this image reminds me of. It. Well, I does. mean, it kind of does. He, yeah, he, he does admit he took inspiration from, from Kurosawa. Uh, who doesn't? Yeah, that's but everybody. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's awesome though. And and you know how we were he didn't just about... uh, make he didn't just remake Seven Samurai and then try to pass it on along <laughs> as an original thing. Yeah, um, my bad. Well, you know, uh, I mean, the 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 next two films, Seven Samurai and Wild Strawberries, they're kind of road trip films. <laughs> well, one's a road trip film through death, and the the other road trip film is a road trip film to death. No, yeah, through Steve, you're age. Thinking of, you're thinking of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Well, yeah, I mean, those are road trip films through awesomeness and death. Yeah. And <laughs> um, uh, also, real oh, quick, you guys were talking about how, you know, uh, Bergman puts a lot of himself in these movies. He also credits this film as helping him overcome his crippling fear of death. Hmm. Uh, because I guess uh, I, I'm still scared highly of death cathartic. after this, watching this. Dude, I could fuck that dude up. He was old as shit. <laughs> well, you gotta, you gotta choose a game he's into. Yeah, yeah, but then you, you would give away your entire yeah, strategy he, in a I, in a confessional. I play him in 40k. Happened. It's a dice game. Who Dude, knows? but what, what's his what's his uh, army? Ooh, Death Guard, baby, or Necrons. 
Uh, Bergman, Bergman's wood painting, originally a radio play, became <laughs> The Seventh Seal. He considered it an uneven film, which lies close to my heart because it was made under difficult circumstances in a surge of vitality and delight. That sounds hmm. like he was being really creepy. That's how people talk that back then, okay, Devin? Yeah, I mean, it's it's real weird watching these movies, and it's like, you know, this is just like, they barely got TV at this moment. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so it's just like people just like enjoying outside. Like, um, I'll talk about this more when we're talking about wild strawberries, but yeah. like, what candy this, is this? Is this movie? Oh, oh, what snack? The sweet tart, chewy sweet tarts. Um, what is this? Is Reese's Pieces? Okay, so a big mm. theme in this movie is something nice happening, and then the reality of death showing its face. <laughs> yeah, that's it, man. <laughs> so, so dots then, because they get stuck in the teeth. Orchards <laughs> <laughs> of dots, yes. or milk dots. One of the two. Pick one. <laughs> I kind of like the dots getting stuck in your teeth. Yeah, man. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, where you're like, oh, this is gonna be like a this fun gummy candy. Yeah. Oh god, oh, death is back again. I gotta make my move. I gave <laughs> I him my strategy. My mouth. <laughs> Fuck. There's okay. So the slimeball Steve character in this movie is the guy who has the fake knife and yeah. pretends to stab himself. <laughs> yeah, and then he climbs a tree and then death cuts the tree. <laughs> yeah, dude. So that. That, that was saying to be this comedic death, part. Right? That had to be a comedic <laughs> part of that movie. Yeah, I thought that was he literally uses a bow saw. He uses a bow saw on it. I'm he not gonna lie, that, almost, that shit down. That kind of almost took me out of it a little bit. I was like, oh, what the fuck? Is that? I love it. I love it. <laughs> love that. I, I think it's so goofy and fun. It is very goofy. Uh, also, um, so I took a little bit of something from this, and I'm like, I don't know. And this could have been very much just this movie because of the 10, I've only seen two. Uh, but I was like, man, he really doesn't have a high opinion of women in this movie. Well, I think he has a very low opinion of the way women were treated back then. And I okay, think that's I what informs that. the way women are treated in this film. Because I feel like as his films go on, like Persona and Cries and Whispers are entirely female-led dramas, but they're very much within their own time periods. Yeah, Persona right. is kind of a, a thing of the modern day. And Cries She's and Whispers... literally wearing a, a, Trinity, uh, <laughs> a Trinity jacket by, by the lake. Dodge in this. that. Yes. I, I feel like Bergman's really <laughs> tied into feminism, actually, when it, as it goes on. Like, I think as his career goes on, he really, I mean, the guy was married like six times. So he's mm -hmm. like, obviously does have a rocky relationship with women. But like, his films don't, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm never going to say like a man will be able to 100% capture uh, like an image or a woman in their, their writing. Yeah. Um, but yeah. like, I, I think... You know, a few of his characters will definitely be like, oh, man, two men fighting for me. But like the two men fighting for I'm talking about Walter Strawberries again. I'm sorry. Uh, but <laughs> but, I, but like what I'm what I'm trying to get at is like a lot. A lot of his women, his female characters are, you know, they're contemplating big things in their life. Yeah. That's good and they're not just like not a lot of them are just like, oh, this boy, this boy's cute. They're, it's they're usually this boy is cute and he's fucking ruining my life. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Um, yeah, like they have these big, big problems, you know, huge existential yeah. problems. 
and most characters do in his films, but like the women themselves, especially in Cries and Whispers persona, it's only them on the screen. You see how they deal with it differently than men yes. do. And that's really what I think is the most important part, you know? Um, but yeah, continuing with Seven Seal, uh, in the radio play, which it originally was, Death was not a character and was represented through silence. That's mm-hmm. fucking wild. Which is really interesting. But you can't do that in a movie, right? I think my radio's broken, man. <laughs> well, no, I mean, he does it in persona. Like, yeah, that's true. One girl is just completely silent. <laughs> yep. Oh, uh, but, uh, you uh, can definitely tell another, the, the, uh, another influence. Left. Another influence from Buffy. They took the the whole you're no right. dialogue. You're right. That's that's another. That's <laughs> come from Buffy. Coffee off of Buffy again. <laughs> Buff man. Yeah, Ingmar Whedon. Just call him that. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, guys, I, I, you know, there's so many people talk about this movie, and it's considered yeah. a classic. It's a classic. This it, is definitely it's a classic. It's like, definitely classic. It's iconic. It's easy. Yeah. I think it's yeah. It's, it's like I get it. I get it now. A lot of these movies, these old movies, I'm I'm watching lately. Like when you think about the time that it came out, and it kind of like kind of blows me away a little bit. Yeah, me too. Babe. Yeah, I, especially like, like back then, like religion is probably a pretty big deal with a lot of people still, and and this probably like depicting these types of themes, these anti-religion themes, or these do God exist themes. Huge. It was probably pretty, probably pretty taboo, taboo yeah, back the in the most day. taboo yeah. at this point. And I will say the most fascinating thing about Ingmar Bergman is he made this film in the same year he made wild strawberries. Oh man. <laughs> it's like back to back. Well, that, like, yeah. This, that's another thing that you can, you can mention too. Like at least these two movies, probably they seem like they're pretty low budget. Yes. Like you said, they're like you said, Chris. They're they're kind of like depicted like plays. So well, seven a lot of the set pieces are just like was a hundred, was a hundred, hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah, they're, like, they're, they're both terms? walking on beaches and shit for both movies and stuff. Know. Actually, yeah, there's and, beaches in all the films I watch. Yeah. There's beaches. There's definitely Steve, a beach in. Uh, that is a in, famous beach in Ingmar Bergman's life. It is called Faro, F A R O. Oh, Mia Farrow Beach? You think it's still there? You think it's eroded by now? Oh, well, it's all rock. Like, if you see it, it's all these jagged-ass rocks. I can't imagine yeah, that's that how, going that's away. Through a glass darkly was. That's the same beach, I guess, He too. writes all of his screenplays on that beach. That's Dude, fair. Hey, that's, that's inspo. It is inspo. King. Yeah, it's, it's super big for him. It's, so, it's He has, like, a vacation home there. He wrote all the screenplays. Oh, did he, you think he stepped on a sharp rock and he was like, ah, that'll be the death of me! Ooh! Oh, good idea. Ooh, I'm terrified of death. <laughs> steps on another sharp uh, rock. What if I was two women? Ooh! Mm. Oh, really one woman. <laughs> Ooh! Oh, I should sunbathe in the nude. Ooh. Hey, Mr. Bergman, can you please go home, buddy? The beach is closed. Hey, I'm, Je- I'm Hank Pharaoh, you can't hang out on my beach. You can't hang out. There's a shark out there. He's eating people. He's like, that's a stupid idea for a movie. <laughs> so, uh, so real quick, how much did you guys say uh, that he made this for? One hundred fifty thousand. One hundred fifty grand. Uh, yeah, so how much that is that was, today? Nineteen fifty-seven. Yeah, that is about a hundred or one hundred. Uh, one million four hundred fifty thousand. That's it. That's not bad. That's, no. that's pretty nice. That's a good independent budget. What? It, how to do in box office mojo, Devin? 
Oh man, I don't. It made they have that track. Oh man, I uh, couldn't find box office. Garby so sued him too. No, I don't think people were tracking Gar- that shit back. Garby sued him because he didn't right, get paid so as much as he wanted to. to. The worldwide gross, uh, two hundred and thirty thousand. So it made double the budget. So it made you know, oh, a little, double. a little under. Mm. Also lost money because all the promotions. Yeah, all the promotions. <laughs> what about the marketing? The, like... the big, the big death that loomed over the beaches. Yeah, well, dude, you know how much it cost them to get. I looked up Persona. In, uh, you know, that made more than Persona did. Yeah, I can believe okay. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people loving this. You know, they had to get in the middle of New York, Times Square. They had to get that big death poster. That cost. That was a hundred thousand by itself. Wicked. Play chess or die. Oh, dude. Whoa! Is that oh, a Gambit? Dude, they remade Through a Glass Darkly in 2008. Stop. I need to watch it because I watched the best version already. I already know that. Yeah, not yet, Chris. Shut up. Okay, so um, no, no I'm going to move on from Seven Seal. I think whoa, it's whoa, a whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah that's a Mary for layers. me. It's, it's a Mary. It's a Mary. It's a Mary for me too. It is a genius classic film that will be forever watched by all the film nerds in the world. Um, if you're a film nerd, you gotta watch it. Gotta watch it. We move on to another film nerd movie, Wild Strawberries. <sighs> Man, I'm gonna say it right out the gate. I think this one's my favorite of the. This was really? yo, Steve. Right after, right after I watched this movie, I was like, oh, that was that was a pretty, that was a pretty fine movie. But then it got under my skin. I kept thinking about, I kept thinking about his daydreams and the journey. uh, What's his name? Isak went. Isak went through, and I was like, man, this movie really got under my skin. Kept thinking about it, and I was like, you know, it has to be a Mary. I'm still thinking about a movie like three days later. It's so. It's. Again, it is another road trip film, but this time it takes place in in modern times. And it's essentially just this old ass man. And he's kind of just like, oh, okay, you know what? I'm going to go get an award. I'm going to go get they're giving me an award. I'm going to go get my reward. Uh, He's 78. He he he's driving uh, like for a while to get to this award ceremony. So it takes a couple of days. That's a big ass. That's a oh, big that old Rolls Royce. Is that a Rolls Royce? I don't know if it's a Rolls Royce, but it looks like, like a it. couch in the back seat. <laughs> um, his uh, his his uh, daughter-in-law is like, "Hey, can you drive me? I- I'm gonna go to Italy." And there's problems with her and his son. Mm. Uh, My and, you favorite know, we, scene of the movie, by the way. We find out later why. Um, but uh, you know, sad, they're they're driving, and essentially, he is he is recalling his life as he comes across things and he's coming to the point where like he is doubting himself and there's a lot of just like realization of who he was as a person that is a big car it's a well huge they um car. they also like um to fill all the baggage of your life yeah his daughter-in-law what, what is her name what the fuck uh, is her uh, name and no i got the i got the cast lists uh, Sarah, no, not Sarah. Yeah, that's Sa- his. Bibby Anderson. Is that's Sarah. The Sa- Sarah was the hitchhiker. Yeah, Vivian. Man, it's Mar- Man. Mari Marion, as okay. as he would say. Marianne, yeah. yeah, she she like right off the 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 gate, like she kind of is like, bro, like I don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> right. My husband has been trying to pay off 
this debt that you don't even need this entire time and kind of like insinuating that he might be like a bit anchoring asshole. well that that and that he might be like a, an anchoring one of the anchoring reasons why her her marriage with his son is failing it yeah is. like like in his head he he views himself differently as he is actually putting himself out in the world and that's kind of an interesting thing where it's yeah, like, he's taking it like, back. Oh, well, you know, that. I told you guys you could, I, I, I welcomed you into my home. And she's like, no, you didn't. You fucking like went off that, that things were going to go wrong and that uh, we were doing bad stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, I forget the wording exactly. Sure, uh, sure. Because sure. I would be very stupid if she said it like <laughs> you that. You did best things. <laughs> things are going to happen, so you can't live with me. And then they pick up the hitchhikers, and again, here's where your uh, your does God exist argument literally in in oh, physical really? interpretation. <laughs> Two cool dudes <laughs> in the back fucking seat, fucking physically fighting with each other the entire fucking road trip. <laughs> one's a minister, one's a doctor. <laughs> I love it though. And then, you know, uh, what's her name? Uh, the hitchhiker, Sarah, I guess. Is that her name too? Sarah. That's yeah. the, that's the name of the, because it's yeah, the same, the same that name plays, that plays his, uh, his first love, which is yeah. his cousin, which is kind of strange. Debbie too, Anderson, who's in a lot of, uh, a lot of, who's in, uh, yeah, persona films. Mm. Uh, and you know, I, you know, there's a lot that goes on in this movie, but I, I just, <clears throat> the thing I like most about it is it's someone taking a look back where he's like, oh, you know what? I am perceived as a, I am perceived as a man who knows everything when in myself, I know nothing. Yeah. I know nothing about love. I know nothing about people. Yeah. And I have pushed away everyone from my life and I am alone. Yeah. To the point, yeah. To the point where he's like thinking about his own failed marriage and then he's even trying to like kind of start. I don't, I don't want to say an intimate relationship, but like a deeper relationship with. I guess who is that? Is maid or yeah, um, like the caretaker like, or something. Like, and it's like it's, it's it seems like you know they they have had some stuff happen throughout their lives, but like at this point, I think it's too late. And she even is just like, yeah, you're we're too old. Get out of here. Yeah, you're but he's too not, fussy. You're too much of an asshole. That's, yeah, you're not making a relationship. He does have glimpses of 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 goodness, though. That he get that he's reminded of, like when Antonius Block, the gas station attendant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you <laughs> did, I'm glad you put that out too. That's not <laughs> now. Antonius Block, the, the greatest gas station attendant in in the history of gas station attendants. <laughs> he gives him free gas. Free gas, and that's that's a big deal, especially in win. He gives him free gas ba- gas based on his 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 uh, his standing as a professor, not because of really yeah, uh, who he is as a person. That's okay. a win, Chris. But, but, he's th- but he gas. says, you know, we didn't forget what you've done in this town. And maybe, I don't know if that's like, like a meta thing, like was just his presence in the town, like did that bring them good commerce or something, or I think did he actually do something? And I think with celebrity, you know, people will, will dine for celebrities and bend okay. over backwards. So that was just a, that was just a, like a device to show how his stature. That's like, what I got even more. That. So, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I feel like he, as a, as in his personal relationships, it's the exact opposite. He's like Steve said, is pushing away everybody that he truly loves, but he also has this bitterness to him. 
you know, where like mm. I feel like he even it hints to it in his past. The memories that are the brightest for him, there's still this sense that he's kind of a curmudgeon, you know, yeah. when he's young. Like, he has always been this person, and it shows through even his son, where like his son is the same exact person. Yeah, God, literally, this love that spitting scene. spitting yeah. image of, of himself, and he's he after he realizes it, he sees it when he sees his son again. Exactly. And he's just like, bro, sit down. We talk to you. I, I didn't want to be brought into this world. I'm not bringing more life into it. Like, God, dude. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine like living your life like that? Like being like that? Him? Like him? You might even be able to take this <clears throat> as like an inverse to Seventh Seal because Seventh Seal is it's like, hey, we're having a festival. We're jugglers. We're 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 having fun. And then it'll be like, here's a fucking plague march coming through town of, with bodies. <laughs> and this is kind of the opposite, where it's like he's in the car having like a true heart to heart with his daughter in law. And she's like, I had I, he, I was given the choice by your son, him or the baby. And I want that. I want to have the baby. And it's it's a shame because he just became you. Yeah. And it's like this real like fucking like kind of dark heart to heart moment. And then, like in the window, the hitchhikers all put their head in with flowers, and they start singing. <laughs> dude, and, I was gonna love that shit, though. Dude, like, like they pop up like multiple times, and where it's like, kind of reminders that it's not too late to make yourself yeah. a better person. Yeah, that I think where, that's what they're that's what they're like. Was. He's he's marching through through his ceremony, and they pop their head in, and they're like, "Hey, professor, hey!" And it's just like little moments like that where I'm like, okay, yeah. Like, like his, good deed, his good deed didn't go to waste. Like they actually ended up being, a, you know. I mean, yeah, I, I, I think he life. learns from that a little. I bit. think the other hitchhikers they pick up, the couple. Oh, those oh, guys. Fuck them. They, they, <laughs> that, fuck him. Fuck him, fuck him dude. That guy <laughs> fuck sucks. Him. Um, beating up his wife, you know, in the car uh, with them. Wild. But it also brings up memories of him with his wife and how he didn't physically yeah. abuse his wife, but he emotionally abused his wife. Yeah. Right. You know, like there's. I'm not saying that it's like the same thing, but it's it kind of is a little bit <laughs> you know like emotional abuse lasts for years scars can never be seen you know yeah and it's it's different because like the way she, the way she takes it is he is just humoring her where like there's yeah. the scene where like and like that's one of those scenes where like it's like perfectly framed and i don't know if they used like a mat or something, or if they just have a fucking place in Sweden where it's like there is a perfect like clearing of a frame <laughs> in the woods where he is looking into his past, uh, yeah, like, dude. or watching watching um his his, his ex wife, yeah. and it's like fuck, man. It's pretty. Sorry, it's, pretty sorry, that's not the, <laughs> it's pretty incredible. It's a gorgeous film. It's it is a gorgeous a film. A lot of ways, and... but like the definitely like the way he uses like that imagery. That's like. I'm not going to say it's German expressionism because it's not, but it's definitely like impression. There is definitely some surrealism yeah, in yeah, like sure. the realism that he is portraying. His dream sequences are fascinating. In the, way they're, the, they're, the beginning oh, of this movie yeah. kind of took me for a wild ride. And, and you said that that's kind of like a precursor of, you know, persona prime prime Bergman. Yeah. Uh, prime crunchy Bergman, <laughs> Kino Bergman. I think it was like really fucking weird, dude. But yeah. It was really weird, though, and creepy. What was up with that dude's pumpkin face? Like, what the fuck? rotting pumpkin. 
Oh man, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. I also would like to, to know how many, um, how many movies I guess before this one had like intense in the car sequences in their movies. Hmm. Nothing to this level, I think, to this depth of conversation. Yeah, because yeah. nobody talked about abortion I, in movies. And I fe- no, <laughs> no, no. Nobody no. And this is like a, it's like kind of a recurring theme couple a couple times i mean the next the next movie yeah there's definitely like there's something with bergman with children yeah um with abortion too i think especially big, especially so big part of like not wanting to be born you know like or like not wanting someone to be born or not wanting someone to be born like, like feeling bad for them yeah for being born like that i feel <sighs> in a lot of yeah. these movies and yeah, it's the dude. it's some dark shit you know hey honey you want to go to the movies there's this really good film about regretting your children <laughs> <laughs> i got two tickets you know some people shouldn't have kids that's what i see that uh that one couple they pick up after the car crash no nah. yeah they, they should, should have not. plenty of kids <laughs> Man, I, that was so that was so uh, uncomfortable. Uh, that entire scene. So Bergman stated uh, about writing this. So it struck me: what if I could make a film about walking up to a home of your past in a realistic way and open a door, and then you walk into your childhood, and then you open <laughs> another door and come back to reality. You turn a corner on the street and arrive at some other period of your existence, and everything goes on and lives. Again, this, these are tropes that he's creating that many people uh, that I've seen in a lot of movies since then. I agree. Too. Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, I don't know. The idea of walking through your memories is like, Jesus, that's such a visual thing in film. <laughs> he does a really yeah. good job of it, like yeah. getting that delivered too. like, for, especially like at that time. Especially, I think, considering that nobody was really doing anything like this, too. It's just so, yeah. it just adds so many layers to his ability and talent as a writer. It's, a, it's just a beautiful movie. Like, I do, I do think, yeah, it, that like the just like that fucking like those all the plants and stuff in that scene, like the the wilderness, it just comes across so beautiful. Yeah, it's really well framed. You know, like everything is in this film is perfectly framed. And in in contrast to the bleak dark ending that was the previous two we talked about i feel like this is like a pretty pretty upbeat like ending this is the fun one not a fun one but like he it's not like and it's not like you know it's acceptance yeah it's saying that i I, this is who i was throughout my life and it's not too late to change right I, you know, I'm dying now, and that's that's it, man. But that's can at least was. hopefully can, save my son's marriage. I can push, too, I can push my son in the right direction. Right? Yeah. And I feel like this is also very anti-religious as well, because most people come to those conclusions through religion and movies. Yeah, and this, this had nothing to do with it. This is his own memories that he's going through. <laughs> I, I do really like the scene where the hitchhiker, where they come back from fighting in the fucking like woods like idiots <laughs> yeah. over whether God exists. <laughs> And she, they come back to the car, and the girl's yeah. like, "So, does God exist?" <laughs> I love that. Just totally writing them off as goofballs. Yeah. But yeah, so like the the whole father son um, relationship stuff kind of leaks into the next movie too that we're going to talk about. Well, well, just to go on here, he says this film, Wild Strawberries, was autobiographical in some ways. Bergman, having written it while he was being treated for an ailment. 
At the time, his third marriage was on the rocks. His affair with Bibby Anderson was coming to an end. Oh, God. And his dirty talk. And his relationship <laughs> with his parents were at an all-time low. Wow. Uh, but he got his he got his childhood hero, silent film hero, to star in this movie. Yeah, which he did. Max Van Sydow as a gas station attendant. <laughs> Antonius Block, <laughs> greatest gas station attendant night in the, the history best. of, uh, you know, gas, gas station attendant. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there was Charlton Heston in Wayne's World too. Oh, they, that's true. <laughs> he was really good. So, <laughs> um, okay, so that moves. Uh, we're going to move on to our next film. Uh, Through oh, Glass. MFK. M- oh, MFK. That is a Mary. Yeah, it's yeah, a Mary, Mary for me. But Steve, not even. I'm going to say this right now. As funny sure. as this sounds, this is my seventh film ranked. Hey, wow. that's oh, fair. I can't that's wait fair. to see the ranking. I can't wait. I can't wait for the ranking. I loved a lot of these movies, like a lot. This so. is pure Kino, man. Like this is like very fucking very Kino, impressed. Kino City. Very impressed by these films. Um, Living in Kino City right now. Through a glass darkly. I think this is my favorite movie that I watched. God, this was good. Um, did you watch this one too, Steve? No, I only watched oh, man. Um, Seven Seal, Wild Strawberries, and Persona. Yeah, this one, this one is is a bear. It is I would bear. say, um, and it's dealing with really heavy issues. Like, yeah, like the like, heaviest. Like, <laughs> no, and then like again, like you know, I I watch the movie, I'm fucking shook by it about the themes and everything, and then I look back and it's like, oh shit, this came out in 1961. Unbelievable! Like, unbelievable! Like before the first Beatles CD came out. Like you're having a film that's insane incest in the yeah, dude. early sixties. Oh my god. Well not only that, but like even like well, we okay, also so I have to the, admit, you know, th- this is not American cinema we're talking about. Oh, you're right. Of course. So but, I, I don't wanna I don't wanna gauge like, too much. I mean, there's a little, there's who knows a little what incest in wild there. strawberries. <laughs> yeah, they're choosing with their cousin to marry. Cousin to marry. You're right, you're right. <laughs> Um, yeah, this film is, it's very heavy. It deals, basically the plot is, um, the main character played by Harriet Anderson. Let me get her name. Love her. It's, uh, Karin. 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 Who's named after Bergman's mother, believe it or not, which is even crazy. (laughs) 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 Brother B, playing her father, David, Max von Steinau, playing Martin. Block, her husband. Uh, her husband, basically detailing a wife who's just come out of a sanatorium. He's a or... doctor, too? What was that? Antonius, Antonius Block in this movie is a doctor? Yeah, he's, or... he, I think he's a psychiatrist as well. Okay, because I think um, Gunner B asked him for a prescription or something at some point. And right. I wasn't sure what So basically, what he was. The, he, <clears throat> I think he's treating his... his wife or his girlfriend or his wife that's his wife in this yeah i think he's treating her because she had a horrible nervous breakdown went absolutely insane and had to be committed for a while and now she's out and everybody in her family's like she's not any better like she shouldn't have left the sanatorium she should have stayed committed but they're all they're putting on the brave face, you know, like she, yeah, she's out. She's yeah, she's, schizo- she's schizophrenic. They don't say schizophrenia, but you right. can kind of, you can, you know, you don't have to spell it out. Suss it out. But it's yeah. everybody acting very happy around her to make her seem like she's well. And then everybody talking behind her back saying, oh, she is fucking crazy and she needs to go back. 
And it gets to the point where the father even admits that he's he's a writer and a failed writer at that. And he's kind of guilty about it. But the real guilt comes because he's writing and researching his own daughter to write a story about her. Yeah, he writes in his diary that he wants to record her, her like her, basically her losing her mind. Her like downfall. he wants to use that as, you know, as elements that he can use for his writing. It's which is fucked up. Horribly fucked up. And then all of this culminates into her losing her mind more than more and more as she lives in this dilapidated house on the most uncomfortable looking beach I have ever seen in my entire well, it's life. It's a vacation home, right? <laughs> and they're on an, I think they're on an island or something but too. Everything in that movie, every every setting is falling yeah, apart. It's, it's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. That, that house is that house is dilapidated. They're fucking eating dinner outside. <laughs> it's just everything like, looks like it's it's just falling apart slowly. The incident happens in like some crashed shit inside some crashed boat or some Sinking, shit. Sinking sunk ship that's been beached that's flooding it's just everything looks uncomfortable in this film and that goes into how she feels as somebody who's going more and more insane and she starts having visions in a room in one of the in the house of these voices talking to her saying that god is coming and he's going to come and he's going to he's going to come out of the the closet that is connected to this wall that she's looking at and just having an orgasm in front of. Yeah. That's what it seemed like. <laughs> there, was some, there was an ecstatic uh, look on her face. And in, in one of those episodes she was having, there's a scene where, room. where they're slowly zooming up on a hole in that wall. And it yeah. looks like something right out of her eraser head. It, it was very unsettling. <laughs> it's horribly unsettling. So her, her, her brother was like 16 or 17. Right. And he can't, he can't get pussy and he's upset about it. Who could, and completely hates her father. Just, just well, yeah. That's yeah. He, he, what his, he's complaining because he like his, their dad won't even like talk. They, he won't even have a conversation with him. Right. And then he, he wrote that play that the three of them awkwardly, uh, <laughs> performed in front of the father and it was basically an attack on the dad's character it's basically <laughs> it's a play about like uh, about this princess that comes to a, a, a knight and says come and save me in this castle but instead of trying to save the princess he just ends up writing bad plays and books about her <laughs> yeah and she disappears very i mean <laughs> that's basically i mean that's what happens they, they right. explain that like after their That's mom their mother. died, yeah. <laughs> after their mom died, he he didn't want to deal with uh, Karen not being able to handle it, so he just ran away to Switzerland yeah. to fucking write a book. Yep. Basically, that's what was being depicted in that. It's about awkward play. This movie's about guilt. It's about incest. It's about insanity. It's about God. It's it's. Well, it's about it's about what God is, and that's what the difference. God is. What, the the difference between his depiction of God in uh, like Seventh Seal, right, or even Wild Strawberries, if you will, Silence. to this one is like, yeah, in this one it's like, Hard I mean, time. I guess we can, yeah, it, it's a fucking spider, it's, it's a, a fucking spider, spider. God <laughs> who crawls out of the closet and onto her, and she screams when she sees it. It's horrified by it. Yeah, there's whoa. <laughs> there's a lot of um, there's a lot of awkward uncomfortableness too with this, like because 
Antonius Block is like, like he knows his wife is sick, but he's like, he keeps trying to smash. Yeah, like it's weird. And it's like, what? Come on. He's very shallow. He's very selfish. And in terms of the incest stuff, like it was kind. I was kind of ex- like he. They they lead into it. Because they're very touchy feely with each other. Well, the most fascinating scene the time. is Max von Snydell and the father David gonna be on the boat, and they're talking, and he's yelling at him, haranguing him for for detailing his daughter's insanity, yeah, and not doing anything. But he's taking advantage of her too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's like he's no different. He's a hypocrite. Yeah, you know, and and that's this movie is amazing with that it shows so many different sides of everyone and how they look at uh, uh, karen and how they act you know when they're alone almost like it's a precursor to a movie yeah that we'll talk about after this <laughs> but it's like you know everybody has a face they put on for everybody else oh, but so then good. like at the uh at the end of the day everybody still has their own agenda they they still have their own so this they're, is it's still got their own shit they're dealing with. This was made in 1961. It holds 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Runtime of <laughs> 91 minutes. Uh, Bibby Anderson turned down the role at first, thinking it would be challenging. Bergman replied with, don't give me that shit. And Anderson <laughs> took the role. Dude, she fucking killed it in this in this movie. She, she was incredible, like, acting-wise. She was uh, fucking... <sighs> There was just there was some in that weird ecstasy scene where she's having one of her episodes. She like whispers something. Yes. And it's not translated on the fucking nope. on the on the. So I don't know what she says, but it's fucking weird. It sounds really strange. <laughs> I don't know if it's English or Swedish. And you know? good, good gracious, dude. I don't know that. Like the the biggest takeaways for me from this movie was um, the cinematography too. That's beautiful. And the uh, and the. The use of Bach really fucking sets you in. To, who, like he uses music very sparingly, but when he uses it, man, it hits. Yeah, this is the first time I was like, "Oh, okay." So we're we're doing we're doing Bach right now. So, so and like every time that Bach, you know, that cello comes on, you're like, "Oh fuck!" Like something something dark's happening. This one kind of has a. I don't want to say. I mean, it, it is a dark ending. Because well, so what knows. happens is I think it's actually the best ending for Karen. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> it, it's, it's weird though. So that how it ends is, um, you know, she ends up having a fucking relapse. She ends up smashing her brother. He his brother tells uh, the dad and and uh, and Antonius Block about it, and then Antonius Block ends up calling an, an ambulance to just get her a uh, just get her the fuck out of here. Get her the fuck out of here like you're going back to the fucking um to the to the yeah to the to the uh to the house to the big house and then at the end it's like everybody's like kind of just relieved it seems that she's not there anymore and then uh the dad has like an actual three sentence conversation with minas the son and then the end is like he's just like he spoke to me, and then it just fades to black. And it's like it's weird too because I had to like I had to rewind it and be like, what the fuck? Did it really just end like that? Like <laughs> it was very abrupt. But at the same time, like how else? How else could it end? Exactly. Right? And what happens is like the conversation Minas has with the father is about God and whether God exists or not, and 
and uh, Gunner B gives him this whole speech, and he says he has to exist because how do you explain what love is? Like, why do people love each other if God doesn't exist? What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. You know? <laughs> and, and like, that's kind of like an, a weird evolution from does God exist in Seventh Seal to God might exist, but not he might not be something that you have to worship yeah. or something. He might be terrifying looking. He or he could be. be a fucking spider. <laughs> he could be a spider. He does another thing. The, I guess they also do another thing where the uh, the um, the helicopter is coming down from behind the frosted window. Yeah. And it kind of looks like a spider, too. Oh, wow. Which is kind of strange. I don't, <sighs> yeah, it's like, dude, <laughs> there's so much to, so much. Like, we could, I could talk about this movie for hours, but. Yeah, let's, to, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap this up. Yeah, with a few more the biggest takeaway here. for me was the fucking, was Sven Nickvist and his use of, like, I don't know if he uses separate light sources to light each people, each person's he face, but he to. does, he does the two time is why well, I guess, I don't know if that's what they call it. I read it somewhere, but. Yeah. I don't know if it's really called the two time, but he does a thing where somebody's face is in the foreground and then somebody else's face is in the background and they're both looking at separate things off screen and they both or each face has its own different light source. And it's just fucking it's it's incredible. It basically, that gift that John posted, I think, uh, either on movies, I think it was in movies so that her eye being the oh, only yeah, thing that was lit at night and her eye opening when everyone else is asleep. Oh my dude. god. Holy shit. That's some, that's some favorite, real fucking Kino right that's there. That's my favorite with, shot at the Bergman. With, with Tony's block in the foreground. Fast yeah. asleep. Uh, Bergman dedicated the film to his then wife, Cabby Lorette, with influence from what he described as their complicated staged relationship. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> How many wives has he had? How many marriages Five? has he had? Oh my goodness gracious. But Angel how Bergman. many secret relationships with Bibby Fortuna? What was her name? Bibby Anderson. Bibby Anderson. Yeah, Bibby. He has an, uh, he has an affair <laughs> with um, with Olma Ullman. Uh, the, the uh, Gary Ullman? No. Liv Ullman <laughs> is Liv the other. Ullman? Wait, so uh, two, two girls he was smashing were in the next movie. Well, gets, to get out of the way, this dude, movie is a fucking gets, blatant Mary. It gets this so much weirder, man. <laughs> Through Glass Darkly is a, is a instant Mary for me. This one's your favorite, John? This one, I think, is my actual favorite out of the five I watched. I should probably rank them. Uh, Bergman referred to this the film as there. a desperate attempt to present a simple philosophy. God is love, and love is God. Bergman later regretted that message as lacking truth. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he wild strawberry himself <laughs> and realized that he was fucking wrong. When I read that on Wikipedia, like, I laughed out loud. Like, that's he, gotta he, be a he joke. Socked, he he socked himself. It's <laughs> fucking funny. He fucking he socked himself. Um, oh, man. Okay, so we're moving on to the big boy now. That, uh, like, through a glass darkly, I'm also giving a Mary. I fucking love that movie too. It's very good. I, would, I can't wait. I'm going to watch that again and then watch the other two. Last Winter and Silence, or Winter Light, Winter Light, and si- and the Silence after. The Silence is about a, a a priest. It is. So there's, I can't wait to watch that shit. We are moving on to Persona now. My favorite of the Ingmar Bergman films that we've watched. Uh, 1966 runtime of 84 minutes. The sh- the second shortest of the Bergman films that we have on this list. 
uh, I nicknamed this movie Lady Joker. Lady Joker. Lady Joker. Lady Joker, the movie, baby. The Harley Quinn movie, baby. (laughs) Um, This is a hell of a movie to try to discuss. Yeah. If Starkly was a bear, then this is like a kaiju. Like, that's what... (laughs) That's what this movie is. This movie is a monster out of a fucking volcano on Monster Island in Japan. So, you know, here's the plot as I see it. Um, (sighs) Plot? What is that? An actress of some renown loses her ability to speak mid-play while performing and is then hospitalized. She meets up with a nurse and she then takes that nurse to a small little cottage on Faroe Beach to recover but it seems as though they are becoming each other while they're on that cottage. Okay. That's a very simple, <laughs> simple way of looking All at right. this, but I had to sort kind of, of it that. like immediately yeah. stops making sense. As soon as you're like, I, I mean, becoming each other. I think they're, oh, the, they're the same person. I mean, right. I think that the movie expressly says that they are the same person it does 100 yeah, it does well and the definition of yeah. carl young's persona is putting on a mask that exactly portrays some somebody else by really being something something and, else underneath and i think the person i think i think the actual person the actual um is the one who talks i forget her name the nurse uh, the uh, alma. sister alma. alma i think i think alma, alma is the the, I think she is the 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 real one, and I think the the perfect actress who doesn't talk, <laughs> doesn't say anything. I think that's the persona. I think that's the hmm. she she is fate. She is facing who people want her to be, and who she should be, who she should want to be, even though she knows she's not. To the point where it drives her mad. Mm-hmm. To the point where it, it almost drives her to self harm, which is you know the scene where she grabs like the the hot boiling water pot and tries to douse her with it, and you know uh, if they're the same person, then she was going to self harm herself. It's the bifurcated mind. It's the the separation of two halves of the brain, and they're kind of discussing each other's existence. One not even speaking, but, right? You know, like that's that's kind of what I gather from this mostly. Like they're monologues, but they're truly dialogues. Like right. they're there there's definitely like a back and forth through there. And like we even get one scene through both. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say that we got the same scene twice, but looking at a different face the, the entire Yeah, yeah, we get the reverse shot. And it, it's Fuck it's very it's very strange as someone who, you know, when you watch movies, you don't it's you a, don't do it like that. Really uncomfortable don't do it. dialogue that I would rather have not heard. Twice. Fucking really. John, you didn't understand what they were saying. You had to read it twice. <laughs> okay, Ex- exactly. That's, that's you know exactly, perfect yeah. Swedish, John. We know that. Don't lie. But still, though, I would rather not. Uh, I don't know. It's one of those stories that you know. Oh, yeah. Should we? Should we should probably mention uh, if we haven't already? Um, these are all subtitled. Oh, absolutely. Yes, everyone Swedish. Yeah, aggressively non-English. You didn't watch the you didn't watch the dubs, Devin. I, I didn't watch the anime. <laughs> you, didn't watch, dubs, you didn't watch the dub version. <laughs> Funimation <laughs> did the dubs. They got Chris Sabat. What are you doing here? <laughs> Vegeta and Goku are the same person. Um. So there is a crazy 
I mean, the the movie starts with something crazy. Yes. It ends with something crazy. I, you know, I, I think would, honestly, I would say it starts with bullshit, if I'm being frank. Well, no, well, I, I think there's some one scene in there that isn't bullshit, and that's the scene with the that's child. That's the dick. Uh, <laughs> like, that's the dick, right? <laughs> that's a good dick there, buddy. <laughs> I think the scene with the child completely informs the fact that this is the same person because he is touching the face of both of them at the and same the time. The face is morphing. Wait, so is that child like changing? That child that's, that's is her, her child. That's, that's her child that she loved. That's the kid. Or, I'm sorry. That's the child that loved her, but she did she not. She hated. Want. Yeah. He. She, can't... she only. Oh, go and see. I'm sorry. I was gonna say she only wanted that child because someone was like, eh, "You're not really a mom right. at like a Hollywood party." I mean, like, I'll be honest. That guy. I'll be honest. That kid is pretty ugly. So well, like, mm. he can't tell the difference between both of them. He's touching both of their faces. So that what to me informed it that it was like, oh, okay, we're seeing two separate psyches in the same brain, you know, like right. that's kind of what I've gathered. But like that scene is very important in the beginning because I feel like it informs the rest of the movie, you know, like where it goes. Now the dick and the <laughs> lamb being slaughtered. And the hands being nailed. Well, I mean, that's pretty pretty self-explanatory. It's the last point. dick you're gonna see because it's oh, all ladies. The lamb too is uh is very uh Symbolic of Christ, I would say. Sacrifice. You, you got religion, you got death, you got birth, all in that one sequence. So the di- so the dick is just birth, it's about, or it's about to give birth because you see the dick before you see the, the kid. <laughs> Wait, do you guys it's know true. how dicks work? The dick wants the, the sacrifice. You rip land. your dick off and it grows into a child. knows how a dick works. Explain <laughs> to us, please. Well, uh, <laughs> the baby explodes out death. of your dick. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, again, this is one of the movies where like. I feel like you might need like a little bit of a warning before this fucking movie. Cause like you see a lamb get slaughtered. You see a fucking Vietnamese man burned to death. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> and you see like, you see a Holocaust imagery and you see a dick and you see this skeleton dude. Fuck. And you see, uh, that, that, that weird cartoon of that woman washing her titties. Sometimes you gotta wake water. people up, man. Yeah, wake people up. Um, it's just but, a lot of stuff. <laughs> so, so in this prologue, dude. John, before before we were talking, or before we did the podcast, you were talking about what was like the film. Yeah, like what Where is yeah, film what history? is this? And my ta- my takeaway from that is, it's someone having to put on a show. Hmm. It's the persona that she puts on, where it's like, all right, I'm an, I'm going to have to become an actor here. And you notice at the very end of the movie when she gets on the bus to go back to her life that the camera comes down and it starts filming and yeah, it's like okay. directly on her. So yeah. like, that's her getting ready back to going back into her act. Was that Bergman and Nick Vist? Was that them? I don't know. I actually don't shot? know during that shot. That might've been them because I think they want to inform, they want to, the, the audience to know that this is right. This is a performance of some sort. They're God, they, on a show. And I, I got to talk about this cause it's fucking crazy. So like the midpoint of this movie and it just comes out of kind of nowhere is the fucking film reel splits in half and then melts. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, dude. And I think that's an indicator of like when she starts kind of piecing together that they are the same. Right. That's I think the moment mm. she drops a glass and then she walks by the glass without knowing that she dropped. Like I, I think oh. Alma drops a glass on the ground and then Elizabeth walks around the glass without having known it was there. Right. And I Dude, feel like that is the, the, you know, the, the fact. Th- I also there feel are like s- you saw her walk in the background twice. 
Oh yeah, she does. She yeah, because right. you yeah. see her. You see her in the yeah. one bathing suit, and then you see her again in another. Yeah, she dodges it. Back. Yeah, she dodges it the first time. Yeah, it's a uh, interest. You know what? Uh, funny enough, I kind of got Doki Doki vibes a little bit. Hmm. Like in the middle of that, like when everything, like when she kind of has like the break in the you, middle. You kind of felt movie. like the, the curtain being taken down. You're seeing. Yeah, I was like, what now, the f- what's going on? I was on? like, whoa, she is losing yeah. it. <laughs> you know, and uh, I th- I thought that was pretty interesting. I I struggle because this is like Chris. I think you said this is like one of his shortest ones. Yes. Um, there was a moment, and I kind of get it, and I get what they were going for, but I was just like is this woman ever going to stop talking? Because like, it's just like scene to scene. It's like five different scenes and she's just telling like a different story in every scene. And I understand the flow of it, but I was just like, this is like great. This was like a conversation I couldn't get out of. And I was just like starting to lose my mind a little bit. Yeah, but that's that's it, man. That's the point. That's the whole point. <laughs> you, you, narrowed, you narrowed it you, in, but you, you nailed that hand to the board, like in the beginning, in the pro. <laughs> no, but I'm saying it. it was bad. It was like I was like I'm a I was like I Listen, might I, shut I, this I, off. Th- like, this film I like, this I, is, I, is, is not really what it's about. It's it's how it makes you feel in a lot of ways. I think it is an ink blot for a lot of different people. I think you can take a lot of different. Uh, breakdowns of this film as as fact, and mm. if somebody were to come out and completely negate what you were saying, Steve, with another take on this film, I could be like, yeah, that that's oh, absolutely justified that take because this film is <laughs> it's a study on you watching it a lot. Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like this film has a duality of itself, where mm. like there's the oh they're the same person, and it's like yeah, like you said, someone could come in and be like, what are you talking about, dude? Right, like. I don't She's see that at all. Um, yeah, but um, like somebody said that they were separate people, and one of them just fucking eats the other one's soul. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's, that's to me too. Double mates the other. That's to me too. Yeah, fuck yeah, dude. This movie has some fucking awesome match cuts in it, yeah. and it's and it's to reveal it's to reveal pivotal moments in the oh, film where it's dude. like she'll put her hand on her cheek and then a little fucking cut. And it's her own hand on her own cheek. Yeah, yeah. dude. And I'm like, that fucking is cool. That it's is not, like, it's yeah. not treating me like I'm an idiot. Like at no point in this film does no. anybody get lowered down from the rafters and goes, they were the same person all along. <laughs> there's another scene. There's another scene where they're talking and um uh what's her name? Uh Elizabeth is in the background, I think. Or she in the Yeah, or she, uh, I'm confused now. They're, they're the same person. Well, one of them is in the background, and the other one is in a profile oh, mode in the oh, foreground. But her head is her head is over the 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 character's body in the background, and it's just like, what the fuck's going on? And they, matching up. the entire conversation is just happening, and the scene is just that. And it's like it's really fucking That's crunchy ass Kino, man. <laughs> crunchy Kino, right there. That, and then like there was the really off putting part towards the end where and i i don't know if this was like this seems like it would be a pretty big breakthrough um effects wise back in the 60s but when they superimposed one half of the woman's face with the other half of the woman of the other woman's face and it really fucking freaked me out yeah they yeah they must have somehow fucking overlapped and cut and just yeah like, how did they how did they, they smooth it in the middle though they must Steve. have just like covered up covered up one side of her face 
one like on the reel you know where i underexposed it or something i don't know i saw that on oh um, god it makes me so uncomfortable thinking about that in hannibal face i remember Mm -hmm. in season two they they meld uh hannibal's face with jack crawford lawrence fishburne's face at the same time and they're sharing the same face while talking to will graham that has to be influenced from this like there's so much now that i'm thinking about the things i really love that i think are this film has influenced. In a I mean, like Devin, Devin brought it up earlier. Yeah. Joker. I think. <laughs> no, no, not Joker. Fight Club. Fight Club is influenced yeah, yeah. by Persona. I feel like there's so many shots in this that I've seen before. Uh, Spider-Man. I mean, also, I mean, like I said, <laughs> like. Beast in this, but is Antonius Block in this movie? I don't think nope. he, he made it. I don't think he is. Is Gunner uh, Beast. He's, he's, he's Gunner a pebble is. on the beach. Gunner is. Gunner's the husband. Yeah. Gunner plays, is, yeah. He plays the, hu- the husband. Uh, he smashes the other yeah, one. Smashes. Um, I mean, like I like I was saying, like I've only seen two of these, and there's right. already so much. Where I'm like, oh wow, these and these are pretty influential. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's pretty clear. And that's how that's how my life was when I was watching all those Kurosawa I think, movies. I think David Lynch owes a lot to Bergman. Oh I my god, this like Lynch shit. probably just yeah. Lynch probably still watches this on a weekly basis. I, mean, I would. I think this is his. I think Mulholland Drive is his persona. That's uh. That's David Lynch. Yeah, right? I really do. I feel like David Lynch is very, very influenced by or Bergman, especially when it comes to the fucking weird shit. Right, yeah, here comes like <laughs> oh, a fair statement. Definitely, yeah. definitely uh, uh, Bergman. Some Dolly for some Lynch. Dolly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so yeah, Andalusian dog, I think, is is David Lynch's bread and butter. Um, Bergman wrote Persona in nine weeks while recovering from pneumonia. <laughs> Much of his work was done in the Sophie Hamlet. What the hell? Hey, buddy, this fucking orange. It's almost like he eat makes him. He puts himself in these situations so that he can get creative about what it. What movie would we have gotten if Igmar got COVID and he's just recovering? Oh man, in the hospital from COVID. <laughs> It would Bro. be Persona 2. Persona 2, like <laughs> a Yeah, it's a thing where he was like, that's it. I'm going all out on this one. I'm I'm dying. This is it. I'm dying. No, I'm no, going all out. Just, he just eats just random shit from like stalls, bathroom stalls. <laughs> He's like, I got, I got oh, writer's I got, block. I got a good movie coming. Oh, God, I could feel God. it. Oh, boy. Uh, Bergman quoted, today I feel in Persona I had gone as far as I could go. And that in this instance, when working in total freedom, I touch wordless secrets that only cinema can discover. Bro, this fucking guy, dude. Persona saved my life. This is no exaggeration. If I have not found the strength to make this film, I'd probably have been all washed up. Wow. Mm. So this is like a re, like a, like a, a rebirth for him, making a movie I think like it was this. His, him thinking that this is it. This is where I put my stamp on cinema this is me yeah he finally yeah. found his identity which I is think, i think that's crunchy true. ass fucking <laughs> raw salmon sushi kino. <laughs> but it's like this is the, the most kino. this is the most potent bergman almost yeah this is a very stinky uh stinky kino i it's, would say so so chris earlier you you said that um a lot of his films definitely feel theatrical yeah, they, and they this feel one like feels the least theatrical. Yeah, this is cinematic. This I one. can definitely still feel its hand. Like sure, like I could definitely see this being on a on a on a stage, but, but I don't should, think it would. I think it would lose a lot yeah, because you need one, those cinematic. Yeah, this should be. This should be like everything. 
about this movie should be very much like a theater play. Even that, even um, Elizabeth is a theater actress. I, I think too, it's not it. necessarily the most cinematic, but it's the breakthrough movie. I mean, he right. fe- I feel like he needed it to be like it's almost like he was making the statement that hey, I, I make movies. Yeah, so here's a exactly. bunch of fucking here's a bunch of movie shit like <laughs> me- meta wise that I'm gonna throw on top of it. The most fucking crunchy ass Kino. We're gonna I'll... start the fucking real <clears throat> man. Persona, I'm just saying, man. This movie, this movie, classic. Made, made me feel. Si- I still feel sick. I'll give stomach. it a Mary. I'm gonna give it a Mary too. Yeah, this is a, Mar- uh, yeah, this is a Mary. Here, here's the thing. I think with Bergman, I think um, it's not for everyone. I think if you're not looking to like yeah, you analyze could be, a film, you could be one person and not like not, these. You're movies. not gonna like it. But I think if you're if you come back to it, or at least if you watch it and you're like, that was weird. I think you'll think about it still. Exactly. Yeah. So 9% of the reviews on the tomato meter, <laughs> just too stupid to, to realize <laughs> the greatness that that is. Persona. Yeah. I think, it, I think if you're coming in thinking it's an <laughs> anime video game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, the, by the time they got to the fifth one, they really, <laughs> when I was reading the reviews on this, somebody, um, I think it was Roger Ebert, a Roger Ebert review. He said that this was a pretentious movie about movies, basically. Yeah. And I kind of agree with it. It is. It's almost like here, this is the fucking Kino Prime. This is Kino Prime. I'm not gonna I'm gonna say this with no, you know, no no ego or anything. This is probably the most pretentious film I've ever seen. But like <laughs> in that in that sense, I agree. I feel like it's original. Like I've never oh, seen dude, anything like it's that. Unashamed. Yes. Yeah. This is, this is Kanye. Something Jesus. about somebody just that's coming out and being like, "I'm slightly, I'm smarter than you." Just let me. Yeah, but that's the something. thing. Like that didn't really exist at the time. Like you're right. We didn't yeah. have fucking snobby art students like making, trying to make personas. Man, Bergman was Kanye before Kanye was even born. Yeah, you're so. right. Right. I remember he Kanye had that bad bout of diarrhea and he wrote this. <laughs> oh, yeah, <dude. laughs> the poopity scoop song. Poopity yeah, but, scoop. Like, but yeah, like I love it though. I love that. I love um because really Bergman's like, movie. listen, man, nobody else is gonna be this brave. <laughs> nobody else is gonna be like this fucking this confident in their own work. If the Ritz movie theater from the nineties where it had like the coffee bar and like just was all indie and like the popcorn tasted funny, this, I would, I would kill to watch this movie in that movie. That's the theater. best environment. It's the only, environment. was this, was this during the avant-garde movement? Like, or did it trigger it? <laughs> I think this was postmodern. I think this was the, in that whole Pomo Pomo movie. Yeah. Pomo. You know? Okay. It just is so much about film. It has to be postmodern. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. Fuck, dude. Okay. Enough persona talk. We love it. We're gonna move on to. We're the... smart enough. We're smart enough to love. Moving on to the only persona. kill on this list. <gasps> I'm glad I didn't bang this one out today, man. I watched the right, and I'm gonna bang through this as quickly as possible because it wasn't very good. It was written. It was made in 1969. Has a runtime of 72 minutes. Um, basically, the plot is there is a play that is being done in the city uh, in, in a city in Sweden, and the uh, the actors and the writers are arrested because it's so graphic and terrible and offensive that is it goes against some laws, some Swedish laws. So. They all 
are interviewed by a judge about this play. And at the very end, they perform it, which is two guys dressed in Roman clothing with giant dildos attached to strap-ons and a bowl full of wine that they're sacrificially drinking. And it's so horrifying that the judge has a heart attack at the end. It is, it's a bit much. Wow. <laughs> it is an interesting film. Chris, because I'm gonna, not even going to lie. I like zoned out in the middle of that. <laughs> Whatever. It's not very good. It's not very, it's not very thought out. It's very much like pushing the envelope for the envelope, pushing the envelope's sake. Um, it's also a TV movie. I oh, it was made for TV. It was made for TV. This is a big thing too with him going forward is he starts having some issues with production companies, money and taxation, and he starts only making TV productions. Oh, we getting smaller. So we're getting, he gets a little smaller when it comes to it, but the film had a joint premiere on TV on March 25th, 1969. The premiere began with a short conversation between Bergman and Lars Lofgren. Bergman urged viewers to turn off the TV and go to the movies instead. Oh, wow. fuck. <laughs> that's what you get for fucking split releases. Bergman was the first Scarlett Johansson. Ingmar Bergman, more like Ingmar Bad Boy. On the back end. This is bullshit. <laughs> I'm not getting it. Yeah, uh, I, that's the first time I ever heard of a joint premiere. That's funny. Was the MPAA rating around then, or I think it was a European film because I don't think that applied. So yeah, they had no rating. Dicks, man. That's why you just got dicks all day. It was they were hard. They were dildos. Hard that makes dicks. You feel better. Hard dildos. <laughs> hard. Dildos. As opposed to those soft dildos. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah. Not. Not very good. I wasn't. Can I? Good. So, uh, we missed a few uh, snack bar treats. Oh, oh yeah. Sure. Okay. So I need one for wild strawberries. I need one for uh, what was that? Darkly. Uh, uh through a glass darkly. Through a glass darkly, and I need. Persona, and then I need this one. Wild strawberries. Wild strawberries is Starburst. Starburst. Well, Love it. Either Starburst or Skittles. Skittles. Maybe Starburst. Wild Maybe Starburst. Skittles. <laughs> Skittles that when you eat them, you think about the first Skittle that you've ever eaten. <laughs> and each oh. is similar too, but they are, they're also different flavors. So it's like, I don't know. It's basically Ratatouille. No, all right, <laughs> Ratatouille, Chris. You're right. Uh, through a glass darkly. That's... um. Man, I don't know. Like a bucket full of oil that you can't drink. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, dude. I really no, don't. I don't know about that. Can you just drain the oil from the popcorn machine and put it into the bucket? <laughs> you know, yeah, the, but like oh, the oil that you use. That's the. For three I'm days. sorry. That's the right. That's the right. That's oh, the that's film. the right. Yeah. Oh, that's, okay. that's oil in a bucket. Um, that's the like burnt kernels <laughs> at the bottom of the machine. That yeah, I'm trying out to think, man. I don't know. Through it's a, hard ga- to tell. a glass darkly is like a bitter candy. So maybe it's Sour Patch Kids sour or something. Patch kids, oh, I, I do like Sour Patch Kids. I sour. love Sour Patch Kids. Uh, I think I have one for Persona. Yeah, what you got? I for? think it's you realize you're the snack bar attendee. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, dude. I can have any snack I want. (laughs) Dude, it's fucking, it's cod from the fish market in downtown. Like that. That's the movie. Did you bring a a fucking fish into the theater? The stinkiest, the the stinkiest, stinkiest Kino. You could have any snack you want as the as a snack attendant, but then you see a giant dick. Oh wait, what's your your MFK? What's your MFK for for Persona? Ah, fuck. 
It's a good fuck. <laughs> Fucking tough crowd here. Tough Wait, crowd. With, with, with no, oh, Mary no, at least for you. No Space Jam. We'll <laughs> you know, uh, I didn't see of any of these characters in Space Jam. Yeah, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> yeah, who owns the rights to these characters? I don't think hey, it's, it's WB, man. I don't think Criterion. Dude, put Antonio's block on my fucking my fucking uh, tune squad. <laughs> Why? What would he just, just complain? He'll sit there. He'll sit there on his knees, contemplating. Well, you know, be the like space, space Jam, the chess version <laughs> yeah. against uh, LeBron I, James in a cloak. Oh my god! <laughs> and and let me. All right, so let me elaborate a little bit. Um, I uh, I just I really I was like kind of feeling it in the beginning really feeling it in the middle um especially with the performance of bb anderson i was like wow this is great i think and yeah, then the end great, just kind of i felt like it just dragged and then it was just kind of the whatever and i was like yeah this is for another day <laughs> of my life like i was like this is for me there are times where, you know, one goes, this is why like movie theaters exist. And I kind of ran into a similar issue when I was I was trying to watch the seventh seal. Uh, that movie's 90 minutes and it took me almost four hours to watch because of like just life distractions. And I was like, yeah, it, it took me a couple uh, I was couple like, sessions to watch is, that. This is frustrating. Uh, and I feel like I did lose a lot. But again, on and I watched um, I watched um persona hours ago so again maybe maybe like once i sleep on it i'll think a little bit different but like i liked it but i just kind of i thought the ending got pretty abstract and not in an interesting way just like i bet you there's lots of articles about this but like none of it's even interesting to me and i was like okay so it's a it's a good maybe, fuck, maybe, but... need, maybe need to sit with it a little bit these films yeah. take a while they crack you down a little bit yeah, I, I Watch, feel Bergman's yeah. like his films are definitely like films like you sit down and you kind of talk about with people. Yeah, like like I feel like that's it's it's like witnessing something and then the <clears> actual <throat> like real meat of it is talking about it. Absolutely, and I feel like you know with talking about it, you start to see all these little layers to it that you didn't see yeah. before. And, and like, I mean, what and the to fuck? be fair, to be fair, also like because I kept seeing all the other influences, I was like, oh okay, this is this, this is that. Like I joke about like Joker and stuff like that, but I'm like, okay. No, I, I I get I get it, and then I guess like to me, there's a lot of like the instance of it already being a little bit more plainly explained a little bit. So I'm like, I get it, like I get it, and I don't get it obviously because the movie's a, a bit of a trip. But I was like, okay, I, I, I see I see the the split personality, like the dual thing. Are they the same person? That's my take. And all right, cool. And I just kind of like move on and. Listen, age does hurt film, in my opinion. I, I I do have strong feelings about how like a movie. I don't agree. That, with that was at amazing. All. <laughs> no, listen, I a really movie, don't. I, to me, I feel like a movie that was amazing sixty years ago will be great sixty mm, years from now. Nah, uh, I I do nah, think dude. one loses something in. <clears throat> Just no, and again, just like based off of. I think there's so much. I've seen. There's, like, I've seen. I've seen older films that have larger magnitude than any film I've seen in the past ten years. Yeah, and I, I, I can't ever say that age does anything to a film other than make me forget how great. I mean, we're gonna want, we're gonna sit down and watch Seven Samurai, and you're gonna change your opinion. I think. Well, listen, I, I'm I'm ex- I'm excited to watch that movie, especially now that my HBO Max is back. But uh, 
I just block you. I'm just blocking. <laughs> you. I mean, that's how I felt no. when I watched like Godfather. I, I can't. Uh, I, like, these, are though. these are. I think these are different because he's not. He's not do. He doesn't have a lot to 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 deal with. So it gives it a little bit more of a timeless timelessness sense where he's not trying to do special effects. So it, it'll age bad. I'm not like, talking these about are... special effects. Uh, I'm talking about just like strictly either the way storytelling has changed. I don't even want to say evolved, but like just how it's changed and different and how I've probably things already are worse absorbed than, that are worse now than they were then. way worse now. <laughs> are you fucking kidding way me? Way worse now. Nobody takes any chances anywhere near as close to Persona yes. or any of these films to do anything that's as mature as this so shit. I've feel like you're missing my point uh, i know well i let me move on because i gotta i gotta yeah. i gotta i gotta keep going no, that's here. fine, that's more fine. That's to fine. Talk about. so the next film i i talk i'm going to talk oh, about new shiny things that's your point is the is the second on my ranking is cries and whispers yeah tim was telling me this is his favorite this, this is his favorite one phenomenal looking movie this is in color i think right it's i believe the first color movie on hbo max of his. this was his ron let me see this he he does he more with the color red in this film that i've seen some directors do with every color <laughs> like it's there's it, he basically had a dream about women in white dresses against a red background and this film was written from that dream, basically. And wow, look at all the red in this. What was trend. he? Uh, what was he dying of when he wrote this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bourbon conceived the story during a lonely, unhappy time on Pharaoh, where he shot through uh, glass darkly in percent of that fucking beach. <laughs> he was just really depressed on that fucking awful beach because <laughs> it's terrible. It's the worst fucking, fucking beach. rocks everywhere. God damn it. All the uh, the usual suspects are in this one too. So it seems all four protagonists are intended to represent different aspects of Bergman's mother. They're basically this film is about four women, and I'll get into the plot exactly. But uh, this rule has three sisters and a maid, and the three sisters, one of them is dying from cervical cancer. Obviously, it is a period film, it's a Victorian era, so they don't know what that is. But she is in horrible, terrible, agonizing pain. And they just watch her die, screaming. And they don't know anything about human emotion because they live this cultured, top-level life where they barely even touch each other. Every scene with these two sisters that are watching over uh, their sister Agnes, who's played by Harriet Anderson, who was in mm-hmm. uh, uh, Sawdust and Tinsel. Yeah. And uh, uh, Through a Glass Darkly. And Through a Glass Darkly. Uh, every scene... With them, they're as far apart from one another as like as the frame can allow. <laughs> it's like fascinating how they how they kind of frame these characters, and the maid who's taking care of Agnes is extremely loving, is religious, is kind of trying to help Agnes through what she can only imagine is basically emotional neglect from her sisters, and then she dies, and then there's this moment between the two sisters, the one in particular. She tells a story about how she took a piece of glass and shoved it inside of her vagina to keep her, her husband away from her. So that's because she that's despises being touched. <laughs> she despises being touched. She can't stand it. And then they do finally meet together in the film and touch each other. And then at the very end of the movie, the sister that was, you know, 
brought on the the connection with the other one completely forgets about it almost doesn't even recognize that they had an intimate moment with one another and their relationship is exactly the same way it was before it's it's uh there's a lot going on in this film it's hard to kind of break down with just one viewing too because mm. it's not it's not like it's not as anti-religion as every one of other Bergman films are like the priest looks at Agnes's body and basically says, if this is not a, a perfect evidence for man's pain on earth for God, then there doesn't exist evidence. Like if this is not the, the purest evidence that the earth and life is pain and suffering and that we deserve paradise at the end of our lives like that is the most powerful speech in the film and it's by a priest and usually mm. in all of in all of these bergman films priests or religious people are awful and terrible and villainous but he's just giving this impassioned speech about how god took this poor girl made her go through years of pain and then is now may not let her into paradise because it may not exist it's fascinating i mean this movie came out in 1972 this is kind of when we're getting into uh you know, 70 cinema. Yeah, so, dude. I mean, this is the same year Blackula came out. I mean, that, <laughs> that film's all about religion. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, Blackula directed by Igmar Bergman. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very dark film. Hey, uh, fun, fun note. He, this was his first, uh, Oscar. Yes. Sven Nickvist. Really? Yes. He won his first Academy Award right. for uh totally for Cries it. and Whispers. Totally deserved it for this. This is a fascinating film. It's it's about <clears throat> familial relationships, it's about disconnect, disconnection, it's about death. It's of course, like all Bergman films. But Bergman said, Today I feel that in persona and later in Cries and Whispers, I have gone as far as I could go. And that in these two instances, when working in total freedom, I touch wordless secrets that only cinema can discover. It's basically that line that I told you about persona was actually about cries and whispers too. Hmm. He, he felt like this is as far as he could ever go in film. In cinema. You know, that, that quote is really interesting because you don't normally hear directors like constantly like putting their finger on their hit, yeah. like the one that they love the most. And it's obviously persona for him. Yes. And I feel so like it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. He got like the, the, you know, reception from awards for this too. And I feel like that was also included. Like he knew mm. which are his best films in his mind. Right. And honestly, I think persona and cries and whispers, I think he nailed it. Like, I think they're just so fucking amazing. You, you think the cinematographer hit his head and he was like, ah, <laughs> just making the film in color. That's all I had to do to get one of these, one of these little gold men. <laughs> Son of a bitch! They ran out of color film every time they marred Bergman. But it's, it's more than just getting the. It's more than just getting the shot with him. He's like, like it's the blocking, like the like him putting the pieces in the frame, him like manually. Yeah, you know, his framing is, is, is beautiful because it informs what the characters are, who they are as people. Like in this mm. film, they're so far apart from one another. Like <laughs> they're they're worlds apart from one another. All I'm gonna say, maybe he didn't need Bergman holding them down. Maybe. He could have done better. Well, what other, what other, did he do any other things with any other directors? I don't know. That would would be kind of, are they just a shake and bake? Most of the time when people didn't work on a Bergman film that worked on one previous, they were like, I don't know why I didn't. They were just laying on the fucking stone beach waiting for him (laughs) to come back for him. 
Uh, this is a fucking Mary. I I love this movie. Now he worked with uh other other directors too. That'd be interesting to and it's see. even one. Yeah, he won another Oscar f- later for an, a French movie. It seems like with a different director. And to move on from that, just to keep up a little bit of a pace here, um, I my third favorite film. <laughs> Of Igmar Bergman's is Scenes from a Marriage. Wow, you really loved this one, huh? I didn't think I was going to like this as much because it's literally just two people, a, a, a husband and a wife. Route. Are you going to? Are you excited hours. for the for the remake, the remaster? I am so excited because of the Oscars, like Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain. Yeah, that is it's pretty perfect for this film. Um, I it's three hours of watching a. Terrible marriage. Terrible, Wait, so how would you marriage. did you watch um marriage story? So you I watched Blue Valentine. I watched Blue Valentine. I did not watch Marriage Story. How does this um how does this compare to Blue Valentine? Very similar. Okay. <laughs> like very so much where you start to you see the faults think, in the beginning. Okay. You see the red flags. Did they, did they jump in time a lot like um like uh like Blue Valentine did? It's all forward momentum. Wait. Oh, so, okay. Interesting. So Chris, this was this is a mini series. This is a TV mini series. Right. And it, so there's right. the mini series which was like I think 6 episodes and then there's the theatrical cut. Uh, yeah, they cool. made him make a movie, a mo- make a movie out of it too. Like I said before, he was having trouble with taxes, especially with like feature films, so he Now is it the same movie films. and he just cut it or he, he did. just like okay, okay. He, he cut it into a more theatrical length. I I only could find the theatrical length. I wanted to watch it all, but uh, yeah, really I'm reading it. the the I'm reading the plot. Is this just a sequel to Wild Strawberries? Because <laughs> because it's uh it's between a woman named Marianne and then Johan, who is a professor of psychology. He is a professor oh. of psychology. Uh, Johan is very much like the professor in Wild Strawberries. He's he doesn't really have much self confidence, and he seems kind of miserable where he is. And he takes it out on other people around him. Like, that's uh, a big part of this. And I feel like uh, Liv Ullman's character is more, she's manipulative. And Man, it takes place through 10 years. It's 10 years, and they're constantly wow. kind of coming back. Like, you're always seeing them break up and come together again. And when they come together, there's always this point where they're just like, why are we doing this? Why are we back again? Like, and they, and they're, and it's so human. It's so human how they just keep pulling each other back to each other again, and and they shouldn't be together. It doesn't work, <laughs> you know. And that's the fascinating part is to see them trying to give excuses to see why this time is different, you know. And even in the beginning of the relationship, you know, the the beginning of this movie starts with them at a dinner party that they're throwing, and their friends, a couple are having the worst fucking fight I have ever seen in public. Like, they're, literally, they're talking about divorce, and the wife's like, well, the reason I'm not divorcing you is you're going to give me that shitty Italian company, and it has all these stupid taxes, and I'll be I'll be underwater for the rest of my life. Like, they've thought about divorce enough to know what things they're going to get in the divorce, and why it would be a bad idea. Wow, and that's the argument, and they're just like they're sitting there, like, "Ooh, I'm glad we're not like that. This is really great." But they're like so lame, and like they have no personality, and they obviously are in like a rut, like they just keep doing the same shit over and over again. But they're so blissfully ignorant to that, and that's what's human. 
you know mm. that's the human aspect of it all uh yeah really love this film it's worth the three hours to go through i think the performances are fucking phenomenal i think Liv ullman is a babe in all these she was babe in cries and whispers she's a babe in this and she's a fucking fantastic actress i love her i think she's my favorite of the the Bergman actors. The Bergman, uh, the Bergman, the Bond, the Bond the women. Bergman bitches, the Bergman <laughs> women. Um, because of issues with taxation in his own country, Bergman releases films and television programs. Obviously, said that he won a Golden Globe for best foreign language film for this. Uh, Bergman wrote the script and based it off his actual marriage with the film's lead actress, Liv Ullman. Oh, wow. This guy. <laughs> oh, my God. It's not even acting at the point, script, right? It's not even acting at that point. It's just real. Yeah. So he gave her the script and she's like, this seems familiar. No, <laughs> I remember saying this. Read the lines. <laughs> just uh, don't call him Ingman. Ingmar. They were so, she was so inept at her, at her perfect for the role obviously that she didn't they didn't need to rehearse they basically were so <laughs> tied into who they were because then they actually were pretty much them okay the you're you <laughs> <laughs> um this film influenced directors like woody allen and robert linkletter uh close-ups and small sets were two suggestions by cinematographer sven nivikens i don't know how to pronounce that name but we all know him Ah, uh, yeah, guys. I this is a Mary, <laughs> pun intended. Um, <laughs> so wait, do they do they get back together at the end? Is it like one of those like well, like rom-coms? they get back to, like, at the very end. They do they come back together to this cottage. They basically go to their old cottage from the first film, where he came home in the middle of the night and told her, "I'm leaving for France with my secretary tomorrow." That was the end of their relationship. Like their end of their marriage officially. Like he was so fucking fed up with her. He just like, I came here to tell you I'm leaving tomorrow with this person that is uglier than you. He even says that. Like, I, I've just gotta go. And her response is like, Well, I'll pack for you in the morning because <laughs> you're terrible at packing. And he's like, You're not listening to me. <laughs> Fascinating. It felt real, dude. Felt real. Um, yeah, I don't want to give too much away because I feel like this is a great film to watch and you guys should check it out. Um, but yes, it is a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, audience score 95%. 167 minutes is the theatrical cut and it was made in 1973. So, wow. I think Autumn Sonata is next, but I want to see where that falls on my list. I will give the full, my full ranking after all of this too. Full what ranking candy, and full what, movie what snacks. Is this? Yeah. What? Okay. So scenes from a marriage. It's tr- hmm. Hershey Kisses. It is Milk Duds because Milk Duds start <laughs> off sweet and then they're just chewy messes in your mouth that you hate after <laughs> okay. a while, and then you never should have ate them to begin with. And you and you keep eating them and you keep eating them anyway. <laughs> you keep eating them anyway. Mm. Human. Um, Autumn Sonata. This uh, film. This is the. Well, we got going here. We got this is our ninth Bergman film made in 1978. Towards the end of his career, obviously. This is uh this is coming to a quick end for, for Bergman. Um Rotten Tomato score 85%, audience score of 92%. Um 
Autumn Sonata emerged from one of the darkest spells in Ingmar Bergman's life. In 1976, he had gone into a voluntary exile in Munich after being accused of evading taxes on income from certain films. Autumn Sonata marks the swan song of Ingrid Bergman's career, his daughter, and fulfilled her long desire to make a film with her namesake. This is the first, mm-hmm. this is the first film with Ingrid Bergman in it. Ma and Paul. Or not Ma, but... Yeah. Little girl and Paul. Ma and doll. Ma and doll. Um, this film, featuring Liv Ullman and Ing- Ingrid Bergman, are really the only actors in the film, aside from the husband who's barely in it. But it's basically about a mother coming to see her daughters, one who is disabled and who lives upstairs with the other daughter. And the daughters kind of tell the mother how awful she was the mother oh, and, and why they are the way they are because of her. This is definitely a theme in his movies. Yes. 100%. Yes, it is. I feel like the dissolving of the perfect familial relationship is Bergman to a T. Yeah. You know, like I, I feel like in this film, if, if again, it feels so fucking real when her daughter is basically breaking down the fact Basically, Ingrid Bergman, the mother, was a famous pianist, and she toured around Europe playing like classical music. But she completely neglected her family financially, mm-hmm. emotionally, physically. She wasn't there, and her daughter is just telling her all this, and she had no idea. She kind of thought like, "Oh, I'm coming home. I'm seeing you." Very much like Wild Strawberries, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm thinking I'm one way, and I'm treating my family really nice, but in reality, I am terrible at neglecting them. And they don't love me. And you start to realize that the Ingrid Bergman's character shouldn't have had kids. Like she just is not a person that should have children. Like persona. Like persona. <laughs> <laughs> there are just some people in the world. And that's like, I, I feel like it's true. It's reality. Mm. Like some people are, are so wrapped up in their own lives. They shouldn't have kids, you know? No. They shouldn't no. bring kids into that. And, and they're selfishly doing it because they think so highly of themselves. Yeah, they want to make more of them. You know? Yeah. And well, that's, that's why like, Elizabeth got her kid. Because somebody was like, you lack motherless motherliness. <laughs> yeah, at a party. She took criticism like an actress and said, oh, I'll just be better and have a child. Like, that's so fake. You that's know? so immature. It's immature. Exactly. Um, on, uh, let's see. Uh, Autumn Sonata was the last of Ingmar Bergman's films to be made for theatrical exposition. And we already talked about that before everything going into television. Um, this 85%. I think I said that audience score 92% uh, runs 99 minutes. Good. Good flick. It's a, it's a good number. I think this is a fuck though. Okay. On, on the grand scheme of things. The like, swan song. Yeah, I think it's good, but I don't think it hold, it's as great as like scenes from Marriage Wild Strawberries and a lot of the other films. I mean, he said it himself. Like, you know, he, he had he had reached his goal. Yeah. Story wise. And, you know, I'm glad he made more because they were, as as you've given number wise, also great films. Yeah, they are. I, I you're right. I think he uh I think he climbed his mountain earlier, you know, he peaked a little bit. I'm not saying Fanny and Alexander isn't good either. Like that's the last film on this list. Mm-hmm. Um, it's long, maybe a bit too long. For, How long is it? It's in 188 minutes. That's too long. It's a bit too long. It's a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. 
I don't think it's as great as Bad Battle Birdwater. No, nah, 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 nah. I like this film. Uh, it's another screenplay written at Faro Beach, so it's really sad. <laughs> uh, Bergman in- intended Fanny and Alexander to be his last film. I don't mm. have the strength anymore, neither psychologically or physically. He said that in an interview. Bergman recalled receiving a magic lantern from his aunt. A magic lantern is like an old projector with like a kerosene yeah. projector, basically. Where you would like spin spin the shapes and it would project on the wall? Yep, right? that's it. Exactly. Yeah. That was old school shit, you know. Um, it ba- the main character in this has one. He considered it personally significant to his career as a filmmaker. That's where mm-hmm. it started. Uh, Max von Sydow returned the role down as the Bishop Edvard. Oh man! But turned it down due to salary issues. Oh, dude, come on! He scarjoed. <laughs> dude, all well, dude, this is post. This is post Exorcist. Fucking this is post Exorcist. Yeah, um, where all- he was Antonius Block. The mega priest. The mega priest. Allman who... also turned down a role in the film later, saying in 2013, really? I still don't know why I did that. That's fucked up. This film, three hours long, is basically the childhood of Ingmar Bergman. He, his father, well, in this film, Fanny is a, is a little girl, and Alexander are the daughter and son of uh, a play director who owns his Mm. own company and they're like middle class, upper middle class. And the father passes away. He dies, ran like dies of a stroke on stage while performing. And the mother remarries a Bishop named Edvard, who is a giant piece of shit that abuses Fanny and Alexander. I mean, you could tell just by that name. (laughs) Yeah, it sucks. Edvard, I heard that. It's like even like without the subtitles, like dude, the movie poster <laughs> is creepy as fuck. It is. <laughs> There's a lot is of corporal punishment. There's a lot of isolation. If this is somewhat true about Igmar Bergman's childhood, it's fucking depressing as hell. Hmm. They basically, this guy locked him in an attic with a giant crucifix, like Carrie. Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh I mean, that explains a, his thoughts about religion. They Harry Potter yeah, him. Jeez. I think he, yeah, like Edvard is his pure representation of everything he thinks is wrong with religion and what he thought of when he was a child growing up. Um, Well, I'm glad that Ingmar Bergman got out of that basement and banged every actress known to man. (laughs) He couldn't, like everyone that he hired. (laughs) And he married like most of them too. I mean, he he strikes me as like, this is how you're getting the role. Like he strikes me as that type of dude. Might be. I don't know. I don't think so because I feel like he had a pretty big toe in, in feminism and women's movement. Not only that, yes. I think you know, he... Chris, there's another guy. Um, I think his name is Joss Whedon. Yeah. Oh, geez, um, I, very... You're bringing that up. I get it. <laughs> oh, th- that's the three, three for Buffy. <laughs> I think he, Ingmar was also an, an, an enigmatic man. I think he women were attracted to him. Buffy, Buffy and, and Xander. That's the name of this movie. What he, I don't even know what he looks like. Yeah, it don't he's matter. He's a Swedish guy. He's, he's a, a Swedish, guy. you know, cookie cutter, Swedish guy. So he's just a gorgeous man? Probably. Actually, eh, eh. Actually, he looked kind of Sveed. better older. I mean, honest. Yeah, you kind of. I, I see what you're saying. Listen, there. man, they slept with him because his talent was big. You know, <laughs> that's well. Who's that's the you big toe that he persona, had dude? Oh, is his? Yeah. Yeah, you think that story was <laughs> that she told from the beach was just him? 
his story and his clone. <laughs> He's a fucking weirdo. All right, folks, I got a ranking for y'all. We talked about everything. Bottom up, bottom up, bottom up, huh? Okay, yeah. bottoms up, folks. Number ten is the right. I think that was Oof. not good. I think that was a kill. Uh, Get out of here. Number nine. Number nine was number nine. Sawdust and tinsel. Oh, oh damn! But that was a fuck though. So that's it probably it was a fuck. It was good. It's not bad. It was not. It was. It was very uh, amateurish as felt, especially storytelling wise. I think he started coming into his own with Seven Seal. Um, number eight on my list is Fanny and Alexander. Interesting film. Way too long. I think it's still a fuck. I think it's beautiful. Some of the shock potion is beautiful. And it's really sad. So I enjoyed that. Uh, number seven on my list. Steve, you might give me some shit for this. Walt Strawberries. Hey, you know what? I think that's just a testament of how good the rest of his movies are. You're absolutely right. I feel like Walt Strawberries is a Mary and it's still a seven on this list. Like it's, um, he's a great director and Walt Strawberries is a fantastic film. Mm-hmm. But it didn't hit me as much as like some of the other stuff did. Um, That's fair. Number six on my list is Autumn Sonata. I kind of like this a little bit more because there's something about this that just felt um, very real. And I like Ingmar Bergman when he's writing real familial dramas. Mm. Um, And I like Ingrid Bergman. I think she's a fucking great actress. It's good seeing her. Um, Number five on my list is Through a Glass Darkly. Really loved it. Um, I think the only reason it's five on this list is because the four other ones are on this list. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's a great fucking movie. And I, I suggest everybody goes out and sees this. Um, I feel like it's, it is a, a play like a lot of the other films in the beginning of his career, but it deals with such heavy and difficult issues that it needs to be seen. It really does. Um, Number four on my list is Seven Seal. Uh, what else can people say about it? This is a classic film. Iconic. Uh, number three on my list goes to Scenes from a Marriage. I did not think I was going to like this as much as I did. I, I It's fucking phenomenal. That's a, that's really impressive. That's, I didn't <laughs> yeah, that. it makes me want to watch it now. And yeah. I really have high hopes for the remake. I really. I was do. looking, dude. They look exactly like the uh, the original characters. They do Jessica Chastain and and Oscar Isaac. Liv Ullman is like she. I think she's a little more attractive, but that's just me. That's just me. I'll say that, but no, but you can see the resemblance. Oh yeah, though. totally. Uh, Cries and whispers, number two on my list. Stop, Devin. That's creeping me out. Uh, <laughs> I will watch this movie again. I I think it's fascinatingly beautiful in a lot of ways. And my number one goes to Persona for being the whack craziest shit I've seen in a long ass time. Woke my ass up, started my neurons firing again. Wake that ass up, Chris. Wake that ass up! I'm whipping my brain. Whipping it. Wake up! Um, <laughs> I, oh, wait, is that another influence? Uh, the chop suey, man. Yeah, chop hell yeah, man. There it is. Hell yeah. Persona turned my brain into chop suey. Ingmar Bergman on his beach and on Pharaoh Beach listening to chop suey on his walk, man. man I'm going to look up <laughs> Pharaoh Beach on he's, uh, he's recovering from the black Earth. Yeah. <laughs> I had pneumonia. 
in my. It's spelled like me, Pharaoh. Pharaoh Beach. Pharaoh, F A R O. Oh, okay. Oh, dude, that's it's a badass name for a beach. I don't. It has like some thing over it, like uh, what are those things that were Motley Crew? Like an umlaut. Umlaut. Thank you. There's a Faro Beach in Portugal. This is, this is in Sweden. Sweden? I think it's in Sweden. 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 Well, you know what? That's the thing. We're all going to go to Faro Beach, and we're all just going to get super sad and lay on the stones and hurt our backs. <laughs> I remember my dad was like watching. He watched through a glass darkly with me, and he was like, who would want to go to that beach? <laughs> nobody. You know it's what? It's definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, that's where A.R. Bergman goes, right? Cool. Yeah. <laughs> it is definitely like, this is like an end of the world looking beach. Which is kind of cool in its own it's way. Cool. You know, like I, it would make me think of shit like that, you know, mm-hmm. like persona and all that. Like it's so, oh, it just looks ragged and rough. Well, now it's just fucking bunch of film nerds just laying all over the beaches do you think he peed on this rock stepped on the glass oh man this is the most overrated beach in all of cinema <laughs> this stone reeks of kino oh my god i did it i watched every bergman movie on it you did it Woo! That is, uh, yeah, that's pretty that's, impressive. That's deserving of applause. That's a that's a Kino are, uh, level up. Now you gotta watch the other, you gotta watch the other t- twenty on uh, Criterion. Ah! <laughs> yeah, I can't escape uh, it. I probably will. Well, now Chris is gonna watch just a bunch <laughs> of skateboarding videos. <laughs> <laughs> that's hey, I got Jackass Forever coming up, man. That's like the perfect, <laughs> the perfect like uh, like uh, aperitif to to the Bergman. <laughs> yeah, that'll be the that'll be the new thing coming up where it's you watch a Bergman film and a Jackass movie, <laughs> and, you, and you have to find a connection. It's like Bergman You'll has find interesting it, thoughts find about it. abortion and God. Jackass, somebody bit. Dick with a crocodile? <laughs> okay, okay. The scene where well, they talk uh, about this abortion is reminiscent to when Steve O had a bunch of beer pumped up his ass. <laughs> uh yeah, so I want to say too, for next month for Galani and Chill, we're gonna be tackling a, something a little different. We're gonna be doing a TV show. Uh and a British TV show called Utopia, which only ran for two seasons, a total of twelve episodes. I don't know if anybody else has seen that. Has anybody else? I've that? seen <laughs> half of the first season. I watched it, it one once. Of those, I was really feeling it, and then I just never finished it. Um, I, I watched this once a long time ago, so this is going to be a refresher for me. But I, it lives kind of lives rent free in my head. So yeah, interesting. Topia is yeah. very. This is a very refresher like, course. Um, what's an, What's the synopsis? I, you know, I should go. I should give you guys a little heads up. It is brutal. It's a brutal show. So I, yeah. it's, it's, what's it about? Very violent. It's about a comic book, which alludes to the government planning a apocalyptic like event. Okay. Yes. But that is to me, not really how I would describe like that. That plot is so it's like what keeps the the gears running. What, what really is fascinating is how awfully brutal it is. It is shockingly violent. And uh, I think that's where it works really well. Chris, did this get canceled? Like, did this have an ending? It got remember. canceled because of the violence. 
Right, right. Wow. There's a yeah. there's a particular scene I'm not going to spoil, but it got a lot of people's feathers ruffled, man. No spoilers. No spoilers. Somebody uh, on another Discord asked me if Persona was a horror or a psychological thriller, and I said all of it. <laughs> it's everything. It's like an existential horror film, I guess. Existential horror. Uh, what do they say? Impressionistic vampirism or some shit? Like that's that's how, that's how somebody that's how somebody uh, she does, she does bite her hand. It. Yeah, that was very that was unsettling. Too, there is like a sublu- sublimination between the two, like that that it almost seems like she's eating her or something, like taking her Man. over. Ah, uh, yeah, you could go a lot of different routes with that. So, uh, so real quick to, to just touch on Utopia again, uh, looks like it is on Amazon Prime. Yes, season one and two. So. Don't watch the Amazon Prime show. Watch the BBC original. Yes, yeah. The, there's two. There's an American version. Are they both on there? They or? are. Okay. Yeah. I've never uh, seen just, it, but I've heard bad things. So this this month we watched uh, Fursona, and then next week Zootopia. Okay, got <laughs> Zootopia. it. Zootopia. Oh man. Got it. Persona. Yeah, watch Zootopia at least five times. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> Dude, I really think that fox and that bunny feel fucked. <laughs> That's like oh, remember when the box yeah, or when the the bunny went on the whole monologue about when she was sunbathing on the beach with the with the having gazelle. an orgy. <laughs> Yeah, and then the gazelle. A bunch of squirrels. Uh, that gazelle yeah. was Shakira, motherfucker. That's what I'm saying. Shakira's a freak, bro. <laughs> she is a she-wolf, even though she is a gazelle in Zootopia. All right, I'm done with the Zootopia joke. Uh, so right. if anybody else has anything else to talk about, I think that's it for this did episode. We, well, did we want to at least tackle Green Knight? Since we okay. Do you want to talk about Green you Knight? Know, I, don't, I don't think we should. It's, yeah, it's I mean, the other crunch. I mean, I that's another soft, to it being... another soft night, just like Seventh Seal. <laughs> <laughs> another weak ass night. Yeah, he was a terrible night, and I think that's the point, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's um, this is kind of a, a redemption of the most uh, severe degree, I would say. Yeah. Um, I think it's somebody. That is not, I'm not. I'm gonna try not to spoil it. It's somebody that's not skilled that's waiting for somebody else to do something to propel him toward his goal, like some outside force to make him stronger. Right. Like he can't do it himself because he's loud. You know, like <clears throat> he needs somebody to push him. Garwain, as they call him. Garwain. Which, yeah. which that took me back because I always said Gawain. So I yeah, feel like yeah. Else, or if they Garwin. changed it into like a pirate name, yeah, it's like, it's like Garwin. Garwin. And it's either, depending on who you ask in in um in historian clubs, it's either Gawain or Gawain. Gawain. So we're not we weren't entirely wrong, but okay. they uh, uh what's his name who who directed this again? David Lowry. Um, yeah, David Lowry took the Kino route, the Kino snobby route, and was like Garwin. I'm making it my own, baby. Well, you know, he did, he did, he did like the classic medieval story that was written by mm-hmm. anonymous. You know, like he wanted to stick to that classic. You know, yeah. Even how the way they pronounced Garwin, the, Garwin. <laughs> yeah, it, it it felt like it had kind of like a Canterbury Tales, yes. like styled yeah. to it. Uh, John brought up the fact that somebody compared it to Last Temptation of Christ, and I was like. Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. I think that, especially that the you know the final, the final act twenty minutes or so yes. yeah. is is totally last temptation of Christ. Are you kidding me? I love it. Um, 
when I was watching this, I was like, dude, if they ever wanted to make a fucking Dark Souls movie, get this guy. Yeah. Because right. like, there's like parts of it where I'm like, this feels like a big epic, th- like the most epic thing. Like You're when, waiting when, for him to dodge roll. Like yeah, like what, when what, the green what, when the green knight first comes into the fucking like chambers, I was like, oh dude, like this is he's something's happening. I think like, I think what, the land of the giants kind of got me going too. I was like, that's something you'd see out of yeah, Dark like. Souls. My my only complaint is that I feel like you know it had to use CGI for a number of things that were fantasy, and some sometimes it looked a little cartoony. But like that's a minimal complaint. Barely Weta did the uh, CGI. I mean, they had really? a, they had a bad day. <laughs> yeah, Weta's usually good, but I was like, man, that fox looks a little cartoony. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the fox. It looked like the, it looked weird. like me after I after I was done watching Persona. I looked like that shriveled up, fucking scared <laughs> fox. <laughs> That was the fox in this in Green Knight. I would have, I think, in Green Knight, I would have liked the fox maybe to be a little bit, I don't know, weirder looking, different. I don't know. Like, so we can play that. Are we gonna play that role playing game now? Are we gonna play that game? I give it a shot. Oh, man, I have is it. There, is Chris has combat in that game. Nope, you don't fight. You just come <laughs> yeah, everywhere. You just, you just come. You just come Dude. way too much. Roll for cum, John. <laughs> there's so many. Um, there's Daddy this one Gordon. shot that was really good in that movie. It was when he was riding his horse out of Camelot, I guess. And it was like it was a really long take, but you kind of oh, with the girl, it, the little kids following him. Yeah, but like yeah, it stretched cool. out real, real far. It looked like they just used natural light too, for some which reason. Is pretty it did. The shot that got me the most was when he's fighting outside the bar, and he sees the little snowflake in the sky. And he's like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Ah, Christmas. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I don't know why. I just thought that was really well made. Like, visually. Guys. Not enough incest. Not enough incest or abortion Another in this Christmas movie, movie. For, my, uh, for my taste. Oh, not enough? Not enough? My, my new taste is you got to have a lot of abortion talk. Yeah. I mean, it did. You got to have some incest, uh, too, in there. Is this going to make it into the uh, the Christmas cycle? Like on like ABC fans. Die Hard, Green <laughs> Knight, Elf, Home I'll Alone. This again though, I kind of want to watch it again. I do to too. be honest. I do too. Garwin. Yeah. I think Dev Patel is awesome in this movie. Are you kidding me? I agree. It's I kind of I kind of wish that final act was a little longer. Actually, hmm. like I, I was thinking about, it, I was like, you know what? That was some cool stuff, and I kind of wish some I had more time to, to sit down. If I'm willing to give fucking Zack Snyder, four hours. I could, give, I could give him another hour. Yo, let me ask you this. Did you feel, because you said that, and that, that brought up a, a thought in my head when you, you posted that on Discord. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you wanted to get more comfortable in the thought that this may be reality? A little bit. I see what you're saying. Okay. A little bit, just because yeah. I was like, we only got so much time left in this movie. Yeah. Like, you can kind of, you can, like, you can kind of feel that we're coming to a wrap. Yeah. At that point, I knew it was fake, like from the get go. Yeah, just... like like with how with how, with how fast it was going to. Yeah, like it, yeah, no dialogue. It didn't. It, and I, from what I've read too, David Lowry said that he was not satisfied with the original cut of the film and spent six months re-editing and reworking. There's a dick in there. Well, I mean, he had we, time, dude. He had time. That's the only spoiler I'm going to give. Man. If you're going into this movie expecting to see Dev Patel's dong, you're going to be disappointed. I think Is Dev might... Patel married. Did he marry the girl from Slumdog or no? They were together after after that movie. She was hot, really. Yeah, Slumdog Millionaire. <laughs> Slumhog. Wait, where's uh? 
Um, it doesn't. Yeah, I kept elbowing John whenever I thought it was going to happen. Yeah, dude. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. He's not married. He's not dating her anymore. Oh, good. Ladies uh, or gentlemen. <laughs> so, as far as box office information goes, this has made six point eight million in its opening weekend. It's a pretty budget of for fifteen a... million. And Devin said it was pretty good. It actually was pretty good. It was projected to earn only four billion, but slightly overperformed. Yeah. yeah How much did Dev Patel get paid from this? Um, well, Dev Patel, um, he's getting points on the back end. But when he found out that it was going to be on Disney Plus, he uh, he so <laughs> he's so wait was this released on both. Or was this just no, the nah, just a movie? Just or just Kino, the movies? Kino only. Yeah, right? Tim saw this. He uh, he went to a theater. He said there was only six people in the theater. Yeah. Lucky. He said it was all dudes that looked just like him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they all look like the Knights of the Round Table, too. Yeah. All yeah, fucking they all yeah, look like dude, the Knights. Dude, the collection of Tims in that fucking... In the, in the, in the <laughs> At the end of the movie, they all took out their broadswords and raids them to the sky. Dude, are you going to Kendo Club tomorrow? Yeah, you going to Kendo Club? See you Club? there, dude. <laughs> oh my god! I yeah, you know there were a few people that looked like me there too. So well, anyway, <laughs> I noticed. Um, I will say, may, and this is just a me, but this is a comment I've made. Uh, this uh, if there's an A twenty four bingo card, this one, this one gets a oh, lot of check marks. Oh <laughs> All right, so we have heart, chapters. Man, we have heart. chapters with fonts. Dude, we we'll get you your blumhouse. Your blumhouse. I really like those birthday. chapters with fonts, though. Devin. No, I'm just, no, I'm just saying. Devin, like, Devin. There, there are A24 tropes. Like, you could Google it. I'm sure you could Google a no, bingo I, card for A24. I know what you mean. I got a devil's bargain. A24 doesn't do any more of those tropes, but Blumhouse from now on is called Blumpkin House. Oh, dude. And it's that Fuck it's it, that little that. room, like that that shot of a little room, for the bug. <laughs> but somebody's getting a blowjob on a toilet, and like a, that little. But you know that I'm saying that little. Oh yeah, there. yeah. Well, yeah. So so instead of like the 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 little house image that they yeah. put in front of the movie, it's just a guy going, huh! and then yeah, you hear yeah. like a kerplunk, kerplunk, yeah. and then and then a girl gagging <laughs> for a man, you know, just a voice gag. That's what you have to hear in front of every. Movie you guys see? Oh boy, Blum Saw Four is gonna be great. Oh, dude, Saw Saw remakes going crazy. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like to go back to the Green Knight. Um, I really, I really, really liked just like all of its vibes. I mean, although I was always a sucker for like the Arthurian story, uh, Arthurian stories hmm. in 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 high school, we would read. But like, I don't know. This was just like I really liked the universe that they they kind of modernized it a little bit, but yeah, like, it I, I still like the felt changes they made, you know, mm-hmm. to that to that tale. Yeah, and I, I did I did dig that it was um it wasn't like oh no this is just the story and this is the the reality of like the Arthurian Arthurian like legends and it's like no no there's like talking animals and giants and every and like a giant and magic knights you mm. know and everybody even like, with yeah, fantasy and okay. magic chivalry is still stupid <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah i think personally i kind of wish it stopped it was though to be fair uh, it was trying to walk a line and i kind of wish it was a little more confident in what what line it wanted what lane it wanted to be in mm. um but overall, no, it's it's very good. Um, current you wanna, Rotten Tomato you score eighty nine. You want a little fight? You want a little fight at that at the part at the end? Oh, I want more. No. Go- you want more Gordo the weirdo? 
Oh, dude, I I actually drew. I really like that actor. That actor. Oh, dude, he's phenomenal. He's awesome. He's all. Yeah, he's um, good actually. But uh, no, I mean, like, I I felt like within thirty seconds of this movie, I was like, "There's no fights. Like, there's no fighting in this movie." I was like, "Devitel didn't do a single. <laughs> he didn't do a single day of training with a sword." It would be awkward though, you know. If they like, it would try. be awkward, oh, but no, no. Kinda, if it was like, like uh, if it just went. Full part of me, blown. part of me would have liked to have like a weird awkward fight between like a knight who got his ass kicked by a thief and like this green legendary tree monster man <laughs> who just like fucking like one hits him and then he's like well now i'm gonna cut off your head <laughs> you wanted that to happen like this just like a little bit fight <laughs> just like just like i just wouldn't want to see dev patel get ponied more in that movie maybe <laughs> He gets his ass kicked and he captured gets his ass constantly in every <laughs> of the chapters in that movie. Yeah, but yeah, cool. like at the end of the day, like I kind of want to rewatch that movie. Like, yeah, to fucking Me pick too. it apart. Me too. Yeah, I um, I don't think I want to rewatch the. I I'll say, I don't That's have right. an urge to rewatch the movie. Like, yeah, I but you know what? I'll, like, I'll go see I've Justice, I'll go see Justice League four times in the theater, <laughs> though. That's fine. It's okay. <laughs> but the Kino, if you would talk about Kino, I'm one. <laughs> He's a martyr, is... John. <laughs> that one's a Kino one pump one pump chump. He doesn't uh, he doesn't go over for a second helping. You yeah, are no Kino knight. Listen, listen. When we when we're doing like end of the year stuff and you guys forget to mention Green Knight at all, I'll be like, okay. Well dude, based on this year, it is fucking swinging, dude. Last night in Soho. Yeah, I don't think actually uh earlier today I put together uh an update at Feed the King. Oh boy, that was a juicy Feed the Garwin. Yeah, feed the Garwin. Oh, I just checked with uh, Zack feed Snyder. Feed Garwin. Uh, his keynote check for Green Knight was wait for the Snyder cut. Mm. All right, yeah, I guess that we gotta sense. wait. Yeah, that's the one with the dick in it. That's the one with the dick in it, and it's four <laughs> by nine. Ah, you think there's gonna be unrated version of this? No. Um, yeah, actually, I do. I think. There Are there really unrated versions of, of like a lot of? I, dude, we still, yo, we still haven't watched the Midsummer director's cut. Exactly. We have to watch I, I that like together. I even seen well, it once I get wild, my giant Kino TV set up. Yeah, when that happens, can we do that? Gonna, can we watch the Midsummer uh, director's cut? Kimomar. <laughs> oh man. Kimomar. Dude. <laughs> we should do it. We should recreate Devin's birthday and watch Spider Man too. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so you I have to watch the director's cut of Spider-Man: Homecoming as well. I could watch Chris fucking stress eat <laughs> during Spider-Man because he was so chill. Yeah, you know, the more I read about that movie and like broke it down, like watch YouTube videos, like I'm more terrified of it. Yeah, it's weird, right? There's shit I missed, and I was like, ah, and like these. It was with Hereditary too. That shit like, with the sister in the in the trees. Bro, you can see her oh, face. Yeah. yeah, dude. Oh my god! Chris had to Chris had to literally walk out of Spider Man because we so we saw <laughs> Midsommar. At, we did a double feature for Devin's birthday. It was Midsommar, yeah. and then we were going to see Spider Man Homecoming. You know, back to back. So like we timed it out. So like, as soon as we cooler. walked out of Midsommar, we went straight into Spider Man Homecoming, and literally. In between Midsommar and Spider Man, Chris literally had to like leave and go outside for like a fifteen minute like <laughs> I had a smoke break. cool down. Yeah, smoke yeah, break. Smoke break. <laughs> I was like, oh, this, is, this is a bit much. Some heavy shit that was going on. And then I ate a bunch of Reese pieces, cracked um, open some smelling God salts, damn, and dude. went back into the theater. Dude, when the when they, they when they make when they make the old people walk off that cliff Ugh. in the beginning, I was like, all right, 
Bro. I was like, oh, this is this I kind did, of movie. Well, I, I don't know, dude. The first, I had to buckle my seatbelt. The first seat fucking yeah. five minutes of that yeah. movie, I knew what kind of movie we were in for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, dude. Her sister with the pumping fucking the fumes right into her fucking mouth yes scared me kino check the kino scared me citizen kino that's the dude that's five dudes that look just like tim sitting in the front row midsummer pumping it as hard as they can screaming kino this is what i wanted this is what i wanted shove it in my veins well, I think that. Do we have anything more to say about Green Knight? Or be it? Um, no, I just listen. I just hope. Um... Oh, Steve, did you watch Blood Red Sky? Not yet. Okay. I'm going to watch it this week. I watched Psycho Goreman. Okay. Which Ooh. that movie is nuts. It's <laughs> <Right>? fun. <laughs> it's off the. I would describe it nuts as. To watching Persona, I can't. I can't really believe you when you say a movie is nuts. <laughs> to be honest. Well, it, it's more of like um um. It's like, oh, I, I would Gonzo. say it's like like. A Gonzo version of E.T. What if E.T. was like what if E.T. was like a oh, psycho man. murder alien that befriends children? Yeah. I'm just called American anime. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun. It, it, it's very anime. It, it's like that is an anime like uh like hook. This is the hook of this anime. And then and then it's very well, I guess technically it is American, but I, I think it's like a Canadian it's a Canadian set. I wouldn't call it Kino. <laughs> Probably, but not it is Kino, fun. But it, yeah, it's, it's can quite, can 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 need Dino. Can can Dino? Dino? Canada Kino. Kino da. No. I like. But blood, yeah, Blood Red Sky. I'm gonna watch this week. Yes. Yeah. Go for it. So I mean, hopefully uh, Hollywood uh, it hasn't been taken down by all the actors suing all the studios. Hopefully, just wait. Give it a month. Hollywood. Give it a month. All right. So who, who is it so far? It's. You got um, Gerard Butler, maybe Emma Stone, Scar yeah. Joe, Scar Joe Jansons. Uh, All right, so we've got plus. Well, see, Gerard I mean, Butler ruins John's joke earlier. Of he was like, "My Asian sisters." <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> when you're talking Butler's about Scar Joe suing and uh, uh, Emma Stone, <laughs> 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 which is a very good joke, by the way. <laughs> um. Yeah, there's gonna be you know Daffy Duck probably. <laughs> Bugs Bunny's gonna sue uh, the shit out of. LeBron's come on, I made a deal. Sue. LeBron's gonna sue for Space sure. Jam Two is supposed to be in theaters. Looks like Bugs is saying, "What's up, Doc?" to Warner Brothers. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't care about either side to be honest. Uh, I really don't either. So I do think though, Scarlett Joe is gonna have a hard time finding work. At least with a big I think studio, so too. She's gonna be I blacklisted. I, so. I, I think. I that. think she will. <laughs> you don't fuck well, around I mean, with Disney, dude. So, so what? So the argument was Gal Gadot got got paid. So when HBO Max basically overnight switched everything over, Gal Gadot and uh, the director got a special deal, but nobody else did, and. Everybody freaked out, which then led to, according to, you know, the dirt sheets, lots of like behind closed doors payouts where I think they ended up paying like something like over 200 or 500 million, like hundreds of millions of dollars to all of these actors on all these HBO Max movies. And everybody got cut. You know, seemingly everybody uh, is still is happy about it now. Uh, And then. 
that was like the big HBO thing because like they just kind of announced it out of nowhere, and then we didn't hear anything. And then Black Widow came out, and she did all this press, and everything was you know okay, fine. Black Widow came out, and like what two three weeks later. Uh, all of a sudden, you just find out that she's suing them, <laughs> and you're like, "Oh, and yeah!" Because Gal Gadot made ten million from Wonder Woman, 1984. Yeah, Scarjo made twenty million still from from Black Widow. Yeah. So I mean, well, how many Oscars does uh, does Gal Gadot have? I don't know, but if you look at it like objectively, I think counts, Wonder man. Woman counts. I think Wonder Woman's a little bit more important than fucking yeah. Black Widow movies, yes, in yes. my opinion. Well, I mean, at that point, then it's like, who's your agent, right? Fire your agent, that, that, hire your agent. Yeah, I mean, my my argument was, why did it take them two years and then the movie to flop for them to, to file a lawsuit? Uh, you know, like, ghost them in 2019? Right? Yeah, the, yeah. I mean, to be so, to be so fair, like the Dune people story, like jumped on that shit like the yeah, second they announced it. On it, and and you know what? Saying Disney ghosted you isn't a, isn't a valid excuse because you have fucking people, lawyers. Wait, John, but do you think? Well, that's what I mean, though. Is like, do you think she's like checking? Like, hey, did Disney get I, back to me about that? I don't know. She let the movie come out and and take a shit all over itself. And I think bomb. I, th- I think if Black Widow dude, was number one for two weeks in a row, three weeks. Yeah, I think it wouldn't have been an issue. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I yeah, 100% agree she with saw, that. I think she saw Space Jam 2 like, overtake them <laughs> yeah. the next week. and when She, she got embarrassed. Yeah. It was yeah. reactionary. Like, this, this black athlete beat me in movies. <laughs> oh my God. Like, I, I, I could have been, been playing LeBron. In that I could have been LeBron James. because <laughs> I'm, I'm a real actor. Yeah, she's like, I could at least been Don Cheadle. Yeah, yeah I just think, I, I mean, you know, Disney's going to be Disney. Is, you know, I just, shitty, what, but what at I the same time, like, is Disney's aggressive response to it. Well, you know, I don't blame them. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I hope just, ScarJo is is not killed by Disney. <laughs> that's <laughs> my, that's my team count, bro. She's gonna be fine. Kevin Feige is just gonna think, mail her uh, mail her ten million dollars, and then you think Donald's gonna put a curse on her? But it's like Wall Street Journal was <laughs> Wall Street Journal was saying she was gonna she lost out on fifty million from this. That's a little sus, in well, my I think opinion. That's what the lawsuits for. Which is, you know, no, they, you well, in, in the article, they said that she's suing for losses that reportedly are up to $50 million. If she thought she was going to get paid $70 million from a fucking Black Widow movie, I mean, then, she, then she's lost knows, her mind. Right? Who knows? Who what knows? Do you mean, who knows? Dude, you think this is going to make more money really, than fucking. I, I don't think she, she, she has legal legs to stand on in this. I, I really don't. Chris, I mean, well, I guess we'll find out, but I think she very much does because, like, no. it goes back to. Well, they ghosted her. Well, that's the thing. She yeah, was trying to get this stuff sorted out because she knew about the. Disney so movie. why did she? Why did it take this long? Then is my Dude. is my question again? I mean, I mean, John, there there are lawsuits like literally like I just heard about a lawsuit between big studios that ended like a week ago. No, 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 no. She filed years. for a lawsuit two weeks after the after the movie Black came no, out. No, but I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm just saying. Well, at that point too, it could have also been like, well, let's. It's a bad look. Know, Let's wait and see, right? Let's nail it. Oh, yeah. That's when it. we have the proof, right? And see, and see if I get my 70 million. Well, when it comes to legal shit, you want to get out though. You want to get out ahead of stuff. That's the whole I idea. Know, man. I think a I mean, lot that, of it's I mean, waiting. That's the, no, I think a lot of it's You can't be like breach a contract and be like, well, how do, 
and then you collect your money contract, too. Why wouldn't you have done this immediately? Yeah, why'd you why'd you fucking buy sixty Lambos for Colin Jost after the movie came out? <laughs> you think, I, I mean, you I'm not. She was like, she was just like checking her her like her bank account, and she's like, "Wait a minute!" And then she's like, "Hey, did we ever get that thing sorted?" And there, she, no. Hey, Colin, oh, how many okay. extra zeros are in the end of the bank account number? <laughs> or like Colin, Colin tried to buy his fifth Lambo, and he's like, "Babe." It got declined. Is there? What do you mean? That's the Disney card. It should yeah. have all that extra black. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I think ScarJo is going to be blacklisted from Disney because they already they already killed Black Widow in the MCU. Yes, there's really. Oh yeah, I mean, there's no reason for them to even use it for anything. Florence, anymore. Florence Pugh is going to take over. I mean, I don't know, like a Marvel thing, but I don't think it's really going to affect her. I mean, it's a lawsuit, dude. It's like, what's she gonna get hired to be? She's a fucking wash now. A lawsuit against a dead character for making more money on a contract that you stipulated before. Nobody's gonna be happy with that. Like, (laughs) I don't understand. Want to work with you? All they have to do. She's not gonna have negotiating power anymore. All they have to do is see how much money she made from the biggest movie ever, which was Endgame, and see that she made more money now than she did on that movie. And right. she got paid as much as the other actors did in those movies too. Right. So, what Wait, what does she, she have to stand have on? Been paid more money for her solo movie than she was in a. Well, I'm saying she already she did. It's not like she got fu- It's not like she got Gal Gadot fucking poverty money for yeah. this movie. Well, you know, I think that's the big issue because she did get so Gal much Gadot cash poverty from, money. from <laughs> Everybody was like, "Oh, Gal Gadot got paid," but she made half of what. Uh, Scarjo made for Black Widow. Oh, I didn't know that. On Wonder Woman, she made ten million on Wonder, Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four. Yeah, ten that, million for that. That includes 40. what she made a deal with with yeah. Warner Brothers too. I guess that includes the deal. I think that's the deal, right? I don't know. I but that didn't come out in theaters too, so I don't know. But at the same time, like how are people going to make the direct comparison that Gal Gadot got fucking got paid fucking cum loads of money for for, for a movie that just Darwin came out on streaming yeah 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 that just came out on stream like that didn't even come out in the theaters did it because sure. of the pandemic yeah. uh just no all paid double that for a fucking a less important and i don't even know probably just as good movie i didn't watch one of them in 1984 no, 1984 no, is very bad. bad it's very bad uh black widow is fine i mean john but at that point john like we're just talking about like who's agents who who you know who signed what deal yeah i mean if it comes down to scarlett scarlett johansson's lawyers are bad then she's not gonna win she's gonna get eaten alive by disney because it doesn't look like her lawyers did a good job to begin with about this contract negotiation i think the only other people that are as litigious as disney is the scientology I'm gonna tell you, she's gonna get destroyed. Dude, I, Disney uh, sued a fucking daycare <laughs> that had Mickey Mouse and Disney characters on the walls. She yeah, might wait like a YouTube algorithm, man. They don't give a shit. <laughs> they'll, just, they'll rip you. They'll rip. I do like. It is interesting though, because like Disney, not only did Disney like blow up, they're like, we paid her this much, and it was like, well, you're just blowing up numbers. And then they're like, it's really crazy that she doesn't care about COVID. Yeah, it's like the park. Meanwhile, meanwhile, like Disney, don't you have theme parks open right now? (laughs) This is genuine bullshit. I know. Take the high road. To be honest, like I don't. I also don't understand all the. You know, I want to say simping for Scarlett Johansson, but all the defending of her too, because I just don't. To me, it's just like again, it's like we'll figure. I guess they'll sort out whatever the contract said. Because like in, like, in my it sounds head, like they found a loophole. Is, 
this is like a weird win-win because it's like okay they released your movie in theaters and people had to pay to watch it at home like it wasn't like a free hbo max movie it was like oh here's 30 dollars if i want yeah, to watch and, this at home and disney's saying she did get money from that and i think she's saying she didn't get money from that so it's uh and again it's like, it's right, like right, all right right now well, sounds movies like are court, doing, sounds like they're doing kind of shitty like they're gonna settle, so like dude. You know, I, I bet that. you they. Did, I bet you they did the the math. How much did LeBron? How much did LeBron make from Space Jam too? Like ten million dollars. I don't know. <laughs> Let's see. Not as much as Bucks. Ten schools. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't get paid money. in schools built around the world. Schools. <laughs> he probably made probably like I'm gonna say less, five. Less than five, maybe. Somewhere in that range. Five China tickets. Five tickets to the finals that he's. Oh, so he made he made a quarter of what Scarlett Johansson made. I mean, no man. I mean, wait, John, are you? Do you actually? I bet Scarlett should have made more money than what Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett was like Lechoke made more money than me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, all this talk about women getting fucking shit on in Hollywood. How about this black athlete that built a school? for kids and, yeah, it's on, like, and it's on team china god i feel like that's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah no i think yeah i think lebron should have got paid way more money for being an actor than an actor i think i should have gotten paid more money for watching him try to act yeah, <laughs> yeah come on man it's five bucks for watching that yeah else. some sympathy bucks <laughs> Oh my goodness! All right, is that it, folks? Yeah, I think that was it. I mean, that was the big juicy. That was the big juicy story. Still, every week, every like week or every day, oh, wait. Like a new update. LeBron made more. He made twenty-one. Oh wait, wait, wait. No, this is weird. Well, yeah, so he got Hollywood contract. He got a twenty-one point eight million dollar tax break to shoot Space Jam Two in California. <laughs> what the fuck? Whoa, he got paid. The state yeah. of California paid him to shoot that movie. That I'm saying, I I think LeBron's uh, LeBron's <laughs> brand is worth more than Scarlett Johansson's brand. So wait, I can't wait. imagine him making less money. Where's LeBron? Where's LeBron at right now? L.A. Where's he, he's in L.A. Yeah. yeah. Is that a way for them to try and keep LeBron? Dude, <laughs> I, I would bet money that some sort of movie deal was like part of that a contract. Yeah, LeBron made. Uh, LeBron expected to make 32 million. From Space Jam Two, what do you it makes do? more sense. What are you going to do if we, if we somebody's like, brand is worth more than if we than log Scott on Johansson's tomorrow, brand? We log on tomorrow, and it's like LeBron James sues HBO. <laughs> Imagine if Warner Brothers for play, paying for you to be in a Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> think about that. How absurd that sounds. I think that's a better plot for that movie. <laughs> Where it's like we need you to I win the Space Jam, LeBron. I couldn't imagine LeBron making less money. California is then. in a drought. We need the water. The state win. of California is in a drought. It's on fire, and the only way to stop it is a Space Jam. <laughs> oh shit! I mean, I mean, who knows, right? I mean, LeBron's obviously uh, like. <laughs> there's a reason why they picked LeBron James to be in a fucking movie, even though he's not really an actor. He's the premier basketball player. Yeah, exactly. I get it, I get it. I mean, that's I get why. That's why they. That's why they got him. Oh, so they didn't even reveal what ScarJo made until after she said she was suing. That's what I'm saying. That's why everybody's like. That's hilarious. Everybody's like, "Damn, Disney." That's yeah, they don't, they don't, up. Well, they, they never they, had chill ever. Well, they they kind of have to though at this point, don't they? 
They have to show it. It's just like, I think like lawyers and fucking Scarlett Johansson. Oh man, I get paid at all. Other Hollywood agents. You got paid 20 million. Fucking sit your ass down. But you got paid. But I don't think it's about how much. I think it's like what the agreement says. Yeah, we get it. She lost out on making more money than than Robert Downey John, Jr. Like, ever listen, made in it, an Avengers like, movie. Me, I understand. I get contract. it. You got I no, no. I understand because Black Widow was the most anticipated MCU movie of all time, <laughs> and you know she expected to make more than Robert listen, Downey John, Jr. did. I think, I think she was expecting to make Captain Marvel sixty thousand dollars, and they give you forty five thousand dollars. I'm like, well, John, you made sixty thousand dollars. So like who get or you made forty five thousand dollars like what are you complaining about like it's the same concept but just there's more zeros it's that's it it's gonna get eaten in court <laughs> eaten alive. In court. that's my theory but that's not that's not what that's not what you were what that's not what was being said though it wasn't like they promised her seventy million and only paid her. 20 million. Well, listen, I think she's suing for damages too. So I think your analogy to, you know, <laughs> I think your analogy is, is, in, is in, what what she slammed her head too hard on that table. Damages. <laughs> is that the damage that she actually Dude, slammed her head on that table? Cruella Deville is suing as well. She has to sue for the damages of seeing her mother get attacked by Dalmatians <laughs> off the cliff. I love that it's the two white girls that played Japanese <laughs> characters <laughs> in, in movies that are that are suing Disney because they're they're missing out on fucking what what is fucking Gerard Butler suing for? Uh, Gerard Butler, same thing, really. Yeah, was he like, was he yeah. suing because the AMC that he works for was shut down during COVID? Get a new popcorn, Chris. Oh, these, man. they're like wide receiver divas now in in the NFL. That's you know what these why? actors are because like. it's ending. Scarlett Johansson cares about them anymore. Is <laughs> gonna be outside her house doing sit ups with a with a news helicopter covering it. Do you know who the movie stars are now? <laughs> Logan Paul. Whoa. No, Chris. There's no Let's more. Logan. There's no more back. movie stars. Let's Jake Paul. I don't know. Deb Patel is kind of a movie star. KSI. Dude, the last movie star is Tom Cruise, and he's like, "I'll do a mummy movie," and Samurai. nobody saw it. <laughs> Uh, I think it, I think it is interesting. It is interesting when you talk to generations about movies they want to see. Because if you talk, if you talk to somebody from like my mom's generation, they're all like, "Oh my god, look at the cast on this movie!" Yep. Yeah, I mean, it used to be like, Benedict Cumberbatch and Ryan Johnson. I don't know why I put Ryan Johnson in there. <laughs> then me, but, you, Devin, Steve, and John are all like, "They're making another Superman movie." I don't care who's in it. Google say. Yeah. No, we're like I mean, every hey guys, we might see Dev Patel's dick. That's true. That's a good point. I mean, listen, every once in a while there will be a movie that I'm like, yo, this cast is wild. Like the Lego movie gave me that. I mean, that's um, that's kind of where the, Marvel started with true. where they were like, We're gonna cast good directors. Well, that's the thing. I think it's more director sided now. Yeah, I agree. Where it's like, oh, this director's made this movie, this movie, and this movie. I Let's think that's great. And that's that's out. that's like the frosting, right? That's the gravy. I don't think it's it's the IP. It's like fuck you. It's yeah. Spider Man movie. You're seeing the fuck is Spider Man movie. I agree. And hey, if Tom Hardy gets really popular from this, good for Tom Hardy. But like, you're seeing this fuck is Spider Man movie. Like that's what it is. Oh, turd in the wind. I don't care. It's not. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 I love turds. It's carnage. Wait, is the carnage toys? Hard, hard man. I don't care. I don't. 
I think, uh, and uh, what, what was the uh, Knives Out? Knives Out was another was a rare movie where Ryan I was like, Johnson. this cast is wild, and Knives that Out was two a wild cast is going to have a crazy cast too. And yeah. I'm like, all right, but that's not really wild the... cast, wild director. Yeah, you know, IP not like. There. Listen, when you were when you saw a trailer for <laughs> Avengers uh, uh, Infinity War, right? Yeah, they didn't. They weren't like. Robert Downey Jr., Dave Bautista, uh, all these names. No, they were just like oh, fucking Iron Man. It's Captain America, you know. Well, no, they they already they already did the work in in the. Well, that's in what I'm saying. Yeah, early two thousands. But, 2000s, but I mean, the that's a that's a really good example. Like, yeah, uh, if that was in the nineties, that trailer just would have been names, yeah, of actors. Yeah, that's true. And uh, and even maybe even the early two thousands, but now it's like no. And I get it. That is Marvel. That's kind of a whole new thing. I think that's um, happening all over Hollywood, though. That's what just, yeah. I you see all these people buying up, like, old IPs like Exorcist or Chucky and then remaking, oh rebranding dude, Exorcist. them. That's wild, dude. They're spending so much money on an Exorcist. We're getting Chucky. a Candyman movie. Who's Candyman? I don't care. It's Black that's, Manta. Um, but you, is, hey, isn't, Jordan, isn't Jordan Peele buying that? He's a producer. He's a producer. That. No, but mm. I mean, it, but, like, hear what I just said. Who's Candyman? It's Black Manta, the guy who played Black Manta in Aquaman's Candyman. I don't know that fucking dude's name. Who? I don't know him. Oh, it's got Black Manta. I don't want to know. Actually, I see his name three times. He shows up in Watchmen. (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, we have seen him. Oh wait, oh so he's 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 fucking Doctor Manhattan. He's Doctor Manhattan. Yeah. So again, though, not a fucking. We don't know his name. Oh, that comic book guy. It's the comic book character. The comic book guy. We know yeah. Dev Patel, but we haven't seen his dick. It's the opposite. Well, it's because he, according it's to him, he does not flourish. Not flourish in uh in green on green screens. <laughs> according to him, apparently his, his producers his, are like his mad dick at is him. too green. He said. Yeah, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. Yeah, I don't blame him. That shit sucks. Him. Working on a green screen sucks. <laughs> Sucks. Plus, he probably thought Avatar: The Last Airbender fucking ruined his career completely. Yeah, I mean, it, it it did for a while. I mean, if you look at his IMDb, there's a lot of shit between those two, between Green Knight and that. That I'm like, oh, I have no idea what this dude was he's like back, and he's a for babe. Years. Wife of Pi was he in that? He's is he any no. rumor to be the next Bond? Actually, he might have been. I heard some some rumblings, bro. Ooh, whoa, he'd be really? a pretty he'd be a pretty sweet bond, I think. Dev I think, tell? yeah. He's, yeah. I think, That's what I think people he is are saying. a classy yeah, ass yeah, man. He's not in life. They gotta kill him while he's young. He's he too does, brown. He does, he's too brown. He sorry. does come really fast. What are you talking? <laughs> no, he's just gonna come everywhere. That's yeah, what if it, it, new James Bond he takes off his tuxedo and he's still wearing that goddamn green belt? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Did anyone watch Lion? I should have watched that movie. <laughs> Oh yeah, he did newsroom. I remember that. He was pretty. Oh yeah, he was in newsroom. I hated that show, man. I was in newsroom. Um, Chris Skins. Yo. Anything else? I got nothing. I think we're tapped. I think we're tapped. Yeah, we we tapped. I think. (laughs) Well, folks, I think that's it for Galani and Chill. I'll see you next month when we talk about Utopia.